Hi, you're listening to The Lantern Cast, episode 50. Hey guys, it's our 50th episode. All right. Uh, we've been talking about Super Show forever at this point, and it finally happened. So so what you're about to hear is a... I don't even know how long it ended up being, but all of our Super Show coverage uh, at the show, after the show, once we got home on Skype. And, you know, the reason that you're hearing me here right now is because... By the time Jim, Jason, and I finally got the chance to sit down together, all three of us, and record on Sunday, uh, it was when people were starting to take things down and getting ready to, to move on from the con. So so we picked kind of a lousy time in terms of it being really, really loud compared to the rest of the weekend. So, so there are chunks that had to be cut because they were just about wholly inaudible. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we got to clearly thank all of the people that helped make Super Show possible. Um, obviously, thank you to Aroba Silver, who is our sponsor. Uh, and, you know, if you came to Super Show, you got the chance to see some of their fine product in person. Um, thank you to DCBS, the fine folks that supply me and many others with our comics every month for helping us get our hands on the plastic rings that we gave away for free at our table. Thank you to Mark Marble of the Lantern Core War Facebook game for helping us out getting the the uh, color rings that DCBS wasn't able to provide us with. Uh, that was a great help. Those went over big. Um, thank you to Chad, Chad Bokelman, for assembling that, that uh, best of CD for our show that we gave out at the table. Big, big thanks to Jason for everything he did at the show as for, as the unofficial super chauffeur, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in depth later in the episode. Uh, and just, just everyone involved. Everyone who helped make the CGS Super Show what it was, whether you are, are a member of Comic Geek Speak that literally put the show together from the ground up, or just... Just a member of the community that came out to spend time with everybody. You know, this is a convention where absolutely everybody that walked into that door helped make it a better and more positive experience. And if you haven't gone this year or the first year, you need to go next time. I know, I know there are people listening that were on the fence and didn't end up going. Go. Now, some of our listeners did, you know, you know, we, at one point, we tried to run down a list of all of the uh, the listeners and four members that we got to meet. But you know, once again, that kind of drifted into the inaudible background noise land. So you know, I'm I'm trying off the top of my head here. You know, Blue Jaunter, he brought his kids. They're they're awesome. <laughs> and um, Meg, Royal Lantern, I got to say hi to him at Third and Spruce. Uh, the illustrious Ken Diesel stopped by a few times. Uh, Ziggo, Grayson, 
Uh, I I promise you next time we'll actually keep a list because I I know I'm forgetting so many people. But you know it was great seeing all of you, and and a thanks to our guests for this episode. You know Adam Murdo of Comic Geek Speak, the podcast that made Super Show happen. Adam Withers of the indie superhero comic book The Uniques. Dave Williams of Waiting for the Trade, the podcast that discusses nothing but collected editions of comic stories. Each of them bring a different expertise, a different specialty to the table that that allowed us to have some pretty pretty fun discussions. And, you know, once again, we're grateful to each of them for taking the time out during this busy show to, to talk with us for a little bit. And can't forget to say thank you to Ange Williams, uh, wife of Dave, co-host of the Waiting for the Trade podcast for recording that intro for us that you just heard a couple minutes ago. You know, I'm just sorry that we couldn't get both of them to sit in and talk about the, uh, the potential trade collections of Blackest Night. But, you know what, there's always next time. So, okay, I got nothing else. Uh, on with the episode. Okay. This, this is going to be completely freeform, but uh, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Jason Grice. I'm Dan Kirsten. And we're all here at the same place, and this is the Lantern cast. Yep. <laughs> we're at the CGS Super Show. And this is episode uh, 50. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is episode 50. Hooray! And this is the first time we've all met together face-to-face. Yes. Or face-to-chest, or however you want to look at it. <laughs> oh, that, that I've met this dude before. Yeah. I'm pointing at Dan. I know. <laughs> I regret it every day. <laughs> um, you wish. You had yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you guys think of the con so far? Oh, my God. I feel like I still haven't seen all of it, which is weird, because it's like one room. All of our giveaways have gone wonderfully. We have like three rings left out of, what was it? A bajillion? A bajillion. Exactly one bajillion. Yeah. This is my, this is my Danielle Corsetto sketch. You guys all see that? I'm, I'm breaking, uh, <laughs> breaking into the format. This is completely free form. We yeah. have nothing that we need to specifically talk about. No. So I'm showing the guys my Danielle Corsetto sketch. That's and cool. while it's, it's a half Supergirl, half Incredible Hulk, this is something that is so bizarre. I don't think anybody will ever ask for the same thing. But by the same token. Like, knowing what Danielle Corsetto is capable of in terms of drawing women, I regret not specifying <laughs> more clearly, because she could have done such a much better job. At, it like, should have been Power up. Girl it and been Incredible Hulk? No, it should have been Power Girl and Supergirl. Oh, okay. It should have been all women. It should have been Power Girl and Power Girl? Just draw a regular Power Girl picture? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But but someday I'll get another Daniel Corsetto and that's gonna make up for it. I'll probably see her in May. You want me to get something for you, a wild pig, and like mail it to you? Isn't Wild Pig in April? Yes. No, the wild the wild pig con is on is like May sixteenth, seventeenth, I think. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, this is pretty much a blur. This whole <laughs> we're on day two of the con, day two of two. It's almost over. There's a few hours left, and it's just just. You know, I've unloaded all the fr- all the free comics. I wanted to get rid of to free up a long box, so I cannot decrease my monthly orders at all. Nice. <laughs> We've given out tons of CDs. Our best of thing. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now this this is something where we need to make a specific point to thank Chad 
Yes. Chad Vocalman. Yes. I mean, you know, people have come through for us on a lot of occasions. A lot of people really help us out, Jason. Dang. <laughs> you got an award for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. But, but my God, like, on two days' notice, Chad came up with, like, a list of, like, absolutely just amazing moments from Lantern Cast history, and he gave me timestamps for everything. Like, there is no way that we would have a best of CD without Chad. And it's like an 80-minute CD, too. Yeah, yeah. We had, we're going to be releasing that on the, the feed for anybody that wants to listen to it. But Chad, thank you. Thank you so much. Very much, thank you. Yeah. Now, Jason. Yes. You... Lazy bastard. Yes, I, I have a horrible work ethic, yeah. um, and I just came here to relax and do absolutely nothing else. Yeah. You've been I, drunk off your ass the yeah, entire oh, yes. weekend. Super intoxicated. You're in your pajamas right now. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm wearing some slippers, fuzzy bunny slippers. This, all right, this guy, all right, nobody asked you to do this. Nobody no. approached you. Nobody reimbursed you. I hope you got gas money. I got a little bit of gas money, yeah. But this. I tried to describe this before I sucked at it. You tell them what you did. Um, a few months ago, probably around November or so, I thought, well, you know, okay, I'm going to Super Show. I've been saving my pennies. And I love this community that we all belong to. Because we're, I mean, even LantronCast came through, came to through the, the, the Comic Geek Speak. Yes. And I love the community so much that I wanted to do something to give back. And everybody was talking about how, oh, it's a cool for a comic book convention, but the one drawback is it's not really near a major airport. So it's about an hour drive from Philadelphia to Reading, Pennsylvania. So I'm like, well, hey, what if I rented a van and just do like a shuttle service? So I, if I come in Thursday morning, because people are coming in Thursday, Friday, if I come in Thursday morning and do a few runs to and from Philadelphia airport to Reading to the hotels, back and forth, and then they have a pre-party, and then uh, on Friday afternoon at a, at a bar and grill, and then they have an after-party Saturday for, at a bar and grill, the same bar and grill, which was awesome. Um, then, you know, because I, I don't drink. I, I don't drink at all. So I figure I can just go back and forth, and everybody can drink, have fun, and then I'd be the designated driver, and they wouldn't have to worry about it. So I, I put about, I'd say probably once it's over, it'll be probably about 1,000 miles on, and that's that literally a thousand miles on the, the van that I rented. Uh, so you have to pay by the mile. You know, honestly, I the first rental that I that I booked was through Avis, and you got the first four hundred and fifty miles for free, and every mile after that was going to be a quarter. Oh God! So uh-huh. I, I rented. I, I looked at my my confirmation for the reservation, and I'm like. Wait a second, okay, so I'm going to be going back and forth. I, I might go over 450 So I'm thinking, okay, let me let me, let me me just check. So Dollar Rent-A-Car had unlimited miles. Thank God it had unlimited miles, because I would be paying for quite a bit of miles. <laughs> You're probably going to change that policy now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We call this the Jason Grice addendum. Where'd the wheels go? <laughs> and it was a brand new van. The van had literally 100 miles on it. When, uh, when I rented it. So now it has considerably more. So that's what I decided to do for the community because I, I, I love all of this so much. And this show has just been like Christmas every day. And I've had an absolute blast. I was listening to CGS and Brian Deemer, who basically runs the show. He's, he said, like, um, 
he read your email, like, proposing this at work, and everybody in the office was like, what the hell was wrong with that guy? Because he was just, like, on the floor with, like, this, this offer, like, out of nowhere. Yeah, they were very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. And you got recognized for it yesterday. I did. It was, was unexpected, but very awesome. Um, they have an award ceremony here called the Freaking Swears, and they give it for different things. And for, for giving back to the community, I actually won the Freaking Swear this year for that particular category. Uh, now, you have to make a point of saying that they gave out a few Freaking Swear awards, but yours was the last Freaking Swear award that they gave out. Correct. So, for the next year... You will have. You will be the most recent Freaking Swear Award winner. Absolutely, that's awesome. I am the award, the Freaking Swear Award-winning Jason Christ, <laughs> program director of the Lantern Cast. 2010 Freaking Swear Award-winning program director Jason Christ. I'm, every comic book that I ever make will have the spy. I mean, the the Freaking Swear <laughs> <laughs> Award winner. Uh, man. Jeff Johns will call you up. I hear we're in the, the, the same club now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anytime anybody refers to me on the forums, please, please include Freaking Swear Award. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Totally. I'm going to do it. No, 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 no. Some, somebody's going to do it. I'm just joking. Chad's doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, joking. man. There's, there's so much going on at this convention. I know. It, it's, you know, and the most bizarre thing is that, like, I've been to New York Comic Convention, what, three times now? You've been to San Diego. Yes. San Diego is my, my first and only up to this point. So, now, from my perspective, when you go to New York Comic Con, there is an absolute, like, abundance to look at, to buy, people to talk to for commissions, and, and just, you know, things in general. There's, like, so much stuff. And yet, with this convention, I feel like, even though it's, like, a fraction of the size, like... If, if this convention was four days long, I still wouldn't have enough time to talk to all the people that I want to talk to and get all the sketches done that I would like. Is, is that, like, what, what, what would you compare this to for San Diego? In, in San Diego, like, size-wise, it's maybe the lobby? I mean, I'm <laughs> not, not trying to be... Uh, yeah, San Diego yeah. is ginormous, but the community is just... I, I, unless you experience it in person... You can't really justify expressing how, how the community is. Everybody is so nice. Nobody is pretentious. Everybody's like, hey, you know, come on over, take a look at this. Oh, you want to sketch? Cool. This is how much it is. I, I bought... Okay, my wife shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> Judith, if you're listening to this, turn it off now. Let me give you three seconds. We'll send you an MP3. I spent so much money... At this comic book convention, yeah. it, it's ridiculous. I, I bought so many sketches. I have ten sketches from Andrew Charapar and multiple sketches here and there. I have many, 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 many sketches and books. Every time yesterday I would leave the table for a minute and I would come back, I had another stack of stuff that I would just store underneath our table. Ten sketches from Andrew Charapar. Yeah, one person, ten bucks. And nice. They had a little... Um, they were doing a, a little raffle yesterday, and uh, Jamie D from Comic Geek Speak, you know, he was kind of warming the crowd in between. And he's like, so does anybody have any money left? And Andy Charbar goes, yeah, I have all Jason's money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was telling me he was going to 
go back to the hotel room, spread it all over the bed, and sleep with all my money. <laughs> and sleep with all my money. Andrew Charpar is he's awesome, and his art is just so cool. I, I love yeah. love that guy. And he did a special one for me with uh, my screen name in the form being the Darth Knight. I requested uh, a Darth Knight, and he went way above and beyond on that one. So uh, I'll, I'll make sure and post on the forum all of my uh, all of my ske- my sketches from the con. My thing with the show, and I, this is like to your point, Jim, is like I think like the big reason, like because I feel the same way with you. I feel like I haven't seen half of the people or things here. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's just because like we have we have such so much more of like a personal connection to the show and to everybody here. Yes. It's like it's like you have to hurry up and catch up with everyone yes. because you're not going right. to see them for a year. It's like, it's like whereas with New York, it's more about, you know, just like spectacle and seeing what cool stuff you happen to, to walk by. With this one, you you actually care on like a different level. Like, we, we have an emotional tether to this show, if you will. <laughs> uh, this is the Black Lantern Batman. That's quite a fitting because I had quite a few Black Lantern Batman sketches uh, this year. Here at the... Um, okay, so I want to take a quick moment, and Daniel, come here. Daniel uh, is Night Nightwing on the forum? Grayson. Grayson on the forum. Whatever. <laughs> okay, Grayson on the forum, and I just want to do a personal thank you for being our con photographer. Well, you haven't seen my work yet, so, I mean, <laughs> there might be, you might not want to thank me. I hear you have a great shot of the floor. I'm <laughs> You know, like, every time I go out there, like, with the intention to start taking photos, like, my mind just, like, all of a sudden goes blank. It's like, yeah, gotta look at this now, gotta look at that now, and I just can't do it. And Daniel here was nice enough to go around, and he's been, you know, sitting at the table with us and helping us out also, so it's appreciated. Well, it was just a payback. You guys uh, got me, uh, gave me a free ride yesterday, so I figured I'd just help out. Cool deal. Thank you. I already paid him for gas, but I don't have enough for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's not bad. We, we saw, like, a bunch of listeners throughout the weekend, too. We saw... Well, we saw Ziggo. Ziggo, yeah. We saw... You guys saw Meg. Meg. Right. Oh, Meg's awesome. I just want to say that. Be jealous. Yeah. Meg's you know, awesome. Meg you know, is wicked cool. You know what yeah. I found out? Like, afterwards, you, I, I went to the puppet show, which, you know, more later. <laughs> I went to the puppet show... And I came back, and you were like, oh, you miss Meg, she left for the day. And I was like, oh, what did she look like? And you described her, and I'm like, I just saw her in the puppet show. Damn, I didn't know that yeah, was Yeah, I was standing there talking to her at the puppet show. Damn yeah. <laughs> So, Meg, I'm sorry, I missed you. Wait, was that, that shy girl who posted on the forums? Asked about how to the artist? With the Harley yes. Quinn yes. avatar? Yes. She was here. She looked like the, with the panda hat. Which was awesome. Yeah. Very cool. It's like a panda hat. Yeah. And, and like I said, uh, Meg is wicked cool. We you know. met uh, Lou Jaunter and his kids. Oh yes. my god, Lou Jaunter's entire family is awesome. And I did yeah. argue with him once. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Jaunter's daughter, Cyan, ended up drawing a sketch card for me. Oh, the Rage Kitty? Yeah, yeah. and uh, his son did a sketch card for Meg. Nice. Oh, very cool. So, oh man, yeah, they're all very cool. Let's see. Oh, uh, we... Uh, we gave out a lot of paraphernalia for Aroba Silver. Like that, that's been w- really well received. We've all got our Aroba Silver uh, rings on. Let's see, let's do it. Let's do it. See if they'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> we suck. Wonder triplets powers activate. Yeah, these rings are awesome. Form yeah. of lameness. <laughs> <laughs> 
we, we a pail of geekdom. We've got the the Red Lantern battery that it's finally completed. We're gonna have a ton of pictures online for everybody. Are we doing that raffle? Yeah, we'll do that raffle at some point. And uh, we're gonna get rid of it. But uh, I got a tutorial for anybody that wants to build their own. And um, yes, it's a do not look. <laughs> this last sentence, don't let Ziggo touch it. Yeah, <laughs> it will break it. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, why don't you start us off? Um, all right, we're, we're joined by Adam Murdo of Comic Geek Speak you've probably heard of if you're listening to us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, hi, hi, Adam. Hey, Dan. Hey, hi, Dan. How's it going? That's yeah, going pretty good. Have a good time here at Super Show. Yeah. This is a crazy convention. Yeah. Uh, Adam, you're something of an expert on um, DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. Something of. Something of. <laughs> and, you know, Jim, this is your idea. You run with us. Okay, well... In the Crisis in Infinite Earths, a lot of heroes got their histories rebooted. It was the perfect, like, you know, starting over point. Whereas for Green Lantern, they pretty much just kept going. And, you know, they said, okay, well, Green Lantern's history is pretty much fine already. Um, you want to comment on that at all? or? Well, I think one reason why they decided to just leave the Green Lantern mythos more or less untouched is because, you know, the... the the A-Team Lantern, you know, the, the, the central figure of the Lantern titles at the time, John Stewart, was still relatively new and fresh himself. So that's, I, th- I think that might just be as simple, simple as the expl- an explanation as it needs to be. Because um, they already had a relatively new character in the costume, and they, they figured they didn't need to scrape off too many barnacles. Because Hal Jordan, this is something, yeah, Peter and I talked about this a little while ago. Um, Hal Jordan actually never appeared in the Crisis series itself. He did put an appearance in some of the uh, Crisis crossovers, uh, the issues number, I think, 194 through 196, something like that. Uh, not as a Green Lantern, because that's, that's when you know, Guy Gardner came on board as a Green Lantern for the first time. Right. So I guess between him showing up and Jon Stewart still being there, they thought, uh, yeah, we said that's enough novelty, that's, that's enough to relate to these kids. We don't really need to reinvent the wheel on this particular franchise. So maybe that is, that is the reason why Hal Jordan was the only big-name DC hero that wasn't actually in the crisis. Huh. Um, the other concept was for Guy Gardner, they, like the, the Guardians of the Universe... Um, kind of gave him a battery that was separate from theirs so that he would still have power when everybody else ran out of power? Yeah, they, well, they intend... That, that's, I think, for a reason specific to uh, the Crisis story or for the Guy Gardner story that spun out of it. I mean, they, they needed him to go on a special mission for them that would require uh, going into the antimatter universe of Quard and uh, blowing up the Quardian moon. Well, the antimatter had established a base. So I, I think that's why they... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's why they did that. Um, well, my question is, it's Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. How come there was only one Guy Gardner taking care of the antimatter universe? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think can, the multiverse is only big enough for one of Guy. <laughs> but <laughs> they would just fight each other. <laughs> Especially Guy at that time yeah. in his life. Yeah. 
That, that's that's a great point. <laughs> I think of the story we're told now, they might play around with the idea of there being more than one guy gardener out there. But that actually, back before uh, the back in the days of the original multiverse, before the original crisis, uh, DC really didn't get that much into doppelgangers of the same characters repeated over and over again on different Earths. If you think about it, really only Earth one, two, and three. And to a limited extent, Earth Prime had doppelgangers of existing characters, and then it was only like the major ones. Like on Earth Three, they didn't even have like a, their own version of Aquaman or Martian Manhunter, like, like the major Earth One uh, Justice League mainstays. They only had uh, five villainous Justice Leaguers. So uh, it, it's just not too surprising that a guy like Guy Gardner, who really until Crisis was very much a minor figure in DC history, it's understandable he wouldn't have had like a, a doppelganger out there to show up and cause trouble during Crisis. Do you think that it makes sense that? Especially after what's happening now in Green Lantern, right? You're following, I take it? Yes. Um, I mean, even without spoiling it, do you think that in parallel universes and things like that, wouldn't they have the same issues as far as the Darkest Night and, you know, the power of harnessing the light and things like that? It hasn't really been touched on too much inside in parallel universes. That's true. That's true. We've seen a couple of uh, parallel universe characters return as Black Lanterns, but we really haven't touched on... I mean, the Necron keeps talking about life in the universe. Right. We haven't seen what's going on elsewhere in the multiverse. Which, it, it may just be as simple as Dan DiDio wanting not to even mention the multiverse until Grant Morrison has been able to come back and have his say in the matter. Right. One example... It's, it's something that they should be talking about. I agree with you, yeah. Yeah. One example I did see um, is uh, with Adventure Comics where they had um, the, I don't know if you read this, but they had the Black Lantern Alexander Luther come to Earth Prime to chase down Superboy Prime, and he, like, went to the DC offices and all that. That's, like, really the only, like, the breach of the multiverse kind of kind of thing that they've done so far with it. And, like, do you think that just, like, because aren't are they still doing the thing where they only want Grant Morrison to really touch the multiverse, or? No, I think that's the explanation that Dio has given. Or it might just be that Countdown has made them gun-shy about uh, spitting out uh, parallel Earth stories of questionable quality. Yeah. They just want to make sure they go to one of their ace players before they try to do that. Booster Gold. Have you been reading Booster Gold? Um, I've been buying it. I, I've kind of fallen behind. The uh, I'm not... Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the most recent issue of Booster Gold, I think it may be the final issue for... Um, Dan Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens. Um, and they kind of make hints as far as the multiverse and also hypertime. They actually make references to that. Just in time for Dan Jurgens to leave and never touch on it. Yes. Again. <laughs> yes. So. so balls in your court, Keith Giffen. <laughs> Dare you mention the H word? It's a ball <laughs> that I'm sure is going to drop. Yeah. Oh. It's basically a four-letter word at DC these days. Yeah, like who are the only two people that understood it? Like Grant Mar- Morrison and what Wade? Yep, those were the two who came up with it. And I guess they nobody else wanted to really work with it, and they've lost interest. So. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. I still have hope for like a um, what is it? Earth, the Earth One graphic novel line that's coming out soon. It should be starting this year. I haven't heard anything about release dates or anything. You know, the John's Batman and the JMS Superman. 
and I don't know. I, I like I like that. What do you think of that format for like self-contained stories, exploring this one world with multiverse? I think any format in which I can get some more parallel stories is gonna be a good one. <laughs> yeah. it's, I don't know why we need this new format as opposed to the perfectly good all-star format we already had, but. Uh, because of the examples that they've given us for the all-star format it can either be really good or it can be really late <laughs> that's like, that is the one thing I take away from all, from their changes to the, how they approach the multiverse I kind of look at it as a good thing is that you know whether you agree with how they're doing it now or not they're at least trying to learn from the way they did it before like like a lot of people don't do like multiverse a lot of people don't like the multiverse. Like, there, there are a lot of people who, you know, to them, multiverse is as big a four-letter word as hypertime. Mm, so, true. maybe, like, maybe putting, like, some restrictions on it would, like, kind of help ease some more people into it. To well, be fair, to be fair, the last story that I remember seeing with hypertime was with Superboy breaching the wall, and, like, they went to, like, the center of hypertime, and there's a big, giant energy ball there, and if you hit the energy ball, then it wipes out every version of you. It's kind of an odd thing to add to hypertime. That maybe why nobody wants to punch it in like the that. brain. <laughs> the ultimate wall punch. Yeah. Oh, I honestly didn't think it would be that easy to explain the crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we had Adam. Yeah. That's just one possible explanation. Okay. Oh, and uh, something else occurred to me is as far as uh, the current Blackest Night stuff and the multiverse. Um, well, it's been established before that there's only one of the parallel universes that has its own version of it. Although that may not be true of the new multiverse. But if it is, I mean, it's a, Necron's beef seems to be primarily with the Guardians and um, you know the lies that they've been spreading to protect this incursed, this invasive entity known as life. So perhaps Necron's only focusing on uh, the mainstream DC universe because of that, because of the Guardians. That's the only one that has Guardians in it. Mm, right. Or because we're the first one, mm-hmm. and everything else was spawned from. Mm, that's right. So that's true. Jeff Johns established in the Sinestro Corps War that uh, the uh, Earth, uh, Earth Zero, or whatever number the mainstream Earth is, uh, is uh, it's like the keystone of the entire multiversal structure. And if it falls, everything else will fall with it. Domino effect. So perhaps Necron's not bothering to do anything but resurrect Black Lanterns and other universes because if he can just take care of this one... Yeah. That's, that's it. As long as we have you here, we're talking about Green Lantern and the Crisis. Like, we'll talk about this in an episode or two, but you read uh, Green Lantern for 45, was the last one? 46. 46. Yeah, the one that you told me about? Yeah. Now, now what did you... Because it was, it was basically Guy Gardner leading... You read this, right, Jim? The... The final issue by uh, Gleason and yes. Tomasi. This is like Guy Gardner. Spoilers. Spoilers are fine here. <laughs> this is Guy Gardner leading like a small army of like six different Lantern Corps against the Anti Monitor, and they basically blow his brains out. <laughs> what did What did you think? Because you're like the Anti Monitor is like one of your favorite characters. Yes. Like, what did you think of this issue? I thought it was a creative way to attack the Anti Monitor. Especially like the weaponization of Dove, you know, yeah. using her as a bullet and then having all the different uh, colored lanterns uh, slingshot her straight into uh, the Antimonitor's brain. It's kind of a David David's versus Goliath mm. scenario. But uh, all the same, you know, as much as I applaud the creativity of that, uh, it's uh, kind of like a... It reminded me a little of the finale of Final Crisis as far as like an, an operatic um, climax yeah. uh, to a superhero battle. But uh, I think Antimonitor went down entirely too easy. 
I mean, it took you know, no fewer than two Supermen, or three, really, if you count Earth 1, Earth 2, and Earth Prime, yeah. uh, to do him in in the original Crisis. And here it's just one through, the, through his brain, and he falls down. I mean, he's, I mean, really, you, you think he would have at least burst free of his shell and become a living, killing fireball, like yeah. he did in Crisis number 12. <laughs> I, I, I'm just hoping that that was just round one. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think they're going to get rid of Like, if you're going to take Van Hemeyer off the table in any sort of permanent way, especially after bringing him back, it's, it's going to be something a lot flashier, you know? And preferably in the main, the central series as opposed to a crossover. Yeah. Well, what you have to remember is that he was on his way to becoming a Black Lantern. He wasn't a Black Lantern yet. And what they did was, they killed him. So he could still come back as a Black Lantern? As a full-on Black Lantern. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced the Anti-Monitor even can die. That's true. That's kind of like trying to kill gravity or uh, cosmic radiation. Marvel did that already. Wait, wait, yeah, don't talk, don't talk about Mike Norton's Sorry, creation. Mike. <laughs> He's like over there, he'll... Kill us. Yes. <laughs> Look up over here in his Memphis Snuggie of Doom. Him and, <laughs> <laughs> and Jamal Igle are wearing Snuggie just all Smother us all. Fortunately, we have our own giant. <laughs> he, he left the building, actually, so we should be afraid. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I'm expect like, I'm, I'm ex- fully expecting Blackest Night number eight to have, like, this big two page spread of the heroes and villains that are coming back. As like like full on resurrected for, for keeps this time. As like, who knows, the anti monitor could end up being in there. So. That would be very nice. You know, I, I'm still I go round in my head as to whether anti monitor really is aligned with death so much as he is with non-existence, which is even more profound than death. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll just see. I mean, we, we may have a three-way battle going on between Necron, the Entity, and the Anti-Monitor. The final issue better be double-sized. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to tie up. Okay, awesome. Well, we good? Adam, now, if they want to hear more Crisis talk, you have a, a Crisis Spotlight podcast you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a spin-off of Comic Geek Speak. Peter Rios and I do it together. It's called The Crisis Tapes. We're going to record uh, episode number three this week. Nice. So look for it soon. Yes, very good. It's comicgeekspeak.com. You can also find it through iTunes in a number of ways. <laughs> <laughs> or just go, to the, yeah, just go to the website. We've got them all posted there for free. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Start us off, Dan. All right. Um, joining us is Mr. Adam Withers, one of the two creators of the indie comic book, The Uniques. Um, Adam, first off, thank you for taking the time to join us for a few minutes. Here. Oh, happy to, happy to. Yeah, you're big. You're a you're a big Kyle Rayner guy, right? I'm I'm a big Green Lantern guy in general, but the comic that got me into comics was Green Lantern uh, during the period when it was the Green Lantern Corps, and there were seven of them on Earth yeah. in that mansion. That's so for me. Green Lantern has always been about the core from the very beginning. From the very beginning, that's what it was for me. So I've never. I have favorites, and I'm definitely a big, big, big Kyle fan. But at the same time, I view the concept as a team concept. Very cool. <laughs> I love that. Era. I love that. Uh, that period of time. Oh God, when, like, yeah. when Chip is trying to talk to Chip. like real squirrels, Chip and they is... just won't do it. I always thought it would have been a brilliant thing if Earth squirrels were actually ancient descendants of Chip's people who like got lost in space and evolved <laughs> over time, being so removed from technology on this primitive Earth and planet. 
That's yeah. awesome. A lot of my favorite lands. Uh, Aratia is a favorite of mine. Salak is a favorite oh, of mine. Trip Nord. I love those guys. I know. It's like, it almost seems a shame to focus on the humans when you have all of these, like, these untapped backwood stories you can tell. Sometimes, yeah. Characters everywhere. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Although, you know, over the years they've done a lot to add depth to a lot of the core human characters, too. So, for the most part, it's not... If you were focusing on the human characters to the detriment of everybody else, oh, yeah, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, even Jon Stewart is a much more interesting character now than he was, although most of the credit for that goes to the cartoon. Yeah, God bless the cartoon. God bless the cartoon. <laughs> now, Dan, I believe there's one specific question yes. in particular. Now, <laughs> on our show before, I voiced my my rather negative opinion about the uh, the current Star Sapphire costume that yes. Carol Ferris is currently trotting around in. My my whole thing being that, you know, if they're all about love, like pure emotional love, that's that's kind of not exactly the same thing as physical lust. So it makes no sense other than to, you know, get appeal to fanboys and whatever. I hear you have a you have something welling up inside you on the subject <laughs> that he's letting out. It only wells up inside until somebody asks. Um, yeah, my problem with the Star Sapphire Core exists on three primary levels. Um, first, why does the violet core dress in neon pink? Second, why do they all dress like space hookers? And third, why are they all women? I find all three of these deeply, deeply offensive. Um, where to begin? Um, love, yes. We'll start with love. As a concept, they really had to decide what they meant by love. Because love can mean a lot of things. Do you mean just desire? Is it about the desire for something and that kind of love? Because that's totally different. You know, That would actually swing them closer to an Orange Land kind of style, where it's about the, the pursuit, the chase, and the possession. And then it could be know, any kind of thing. You know, lust could have a lot to do with it then. And, you know, maybe lust is the thing you're talking about, but that doesn't seem like it. The love they're talking about is clearly more of the the long-term attachment, you know, that develops between two beings who care deeply, passionately, emotionally about each other. So when you're saying that that is what the basis of your group is about, the protection, the pursuit, the defense of love, and to defend all life through love, with love, then you have to start asking yourself questions. Why do they look like whores? What are we saying? What are we saying about a core devoted to love that in order to express yourself to people, how you present yourself defines how you want to be perceived. We dress in a way that creates a visual appearance of looking on the outside like we want to be seen on the inside. So why do they want on the outside to be hookers? What does that say about love? The way that they're trying to define it. You know, I just thought of something. And the way that you put it is the only way that I ever would have thought of that. There are, there's a couple of different variations of the the current Star Sapphire costume. Like, Star Sapphire Miri is somewhat more (coughs) modest Somewhat, somewhat, but the other. Though she is based on the classic Star Sapphire, which was kind of like the hooker uniform of the 50s and 60s. Right. So it all depends on perspective. That's true. But by today's standards, by today's, yeah. she's definitely dressed more modest. Much more. And she, you know, she joined the Star Sapphires because of her lost love. Yeah. 
and the ring like fulfills that you know that hole. As opposed to Carol Ferris, who has the super whore costume. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, yes. And you know her, the hole in her heart is for Hal Jordan. Now, what kind of girl is Hal Jordan always looking for? I see where you're going with this, and that's actually a really interesting concept. If the costume is reflective of the love that the Sapphire herself is in pursuit of, except Fatality, when she became a Star Sapphire, has basically the Carol Ferris costume. And what is Fatality in pursuit of? She's not looking for a man. If you're saying she's looking for Jon Stewart, is Jon Stewart really the guy who would go for, you know... That sort I think of John Stewart is more representative, if, and that, and I don't even think John Stewart's the thing she's looking for. I think John Stewart. I think she's trying to heal a hole in John Stewart right now, as an expression of, I went through this with my planet. I went through this with my people, and it destroyed my life. I have gotten peace back finally. I have found through this love the kind of peace that I have lost, and I want to bring that to you. It's not that she's romantically in love with Jon Stewart, it's that she got this healing and she wants to share it with him. That's the way I see that. Now, the fact that she was converted from a Sinestro format, mm-hmm. she wasn't recruited in the regular manner, True. and she doesn't have like a lost love in particular out there. So, could it be that because of the, the lack of a love that she's trying to find, that they just modeled the costume off of their most prominent member, who is Carol Ferris? Before we get too deeper, I think we are trying to create depth where there might not be any. It's just artistic interpretation. Yes. But it is, it is interesting to talk about. Um, I'm not sure, but I don't think, and from what we've seen so far, I don't think it's fair yet to assume that everybody the Star Sapphires convert or heal with those chambers automatically become Star Sapphires. Not everybody who's gone through the chambers come out and put a ring on. You think Crib would have been uh, you know, a, a Star Sapphire if Crib had finished the conversion process? I hope not. Probably, probably not. My assumption is this is just part of... Uh, the Green Lanterns. Oa has the science cells where they hold these criminals, and it's their idea of rehabilitation. Which, and it's a very American version of rehabilitation, which is we'll just lock them away and just close our eyes and hope they get better. Um, the Star Sapphires don't have a prison. They have these chambers for their version of rehabilitation for people who are broken inside. And once you're healed, you go free. You don't necessarily become a Star Sapphire yourself. I think in order to put the ring on, you have to have that core something. In the same way that to become a Green Lantern, you have to have those core personality traits, those abilities, those things that make you one of them before you even put the ring on. I think Fatality fits that criteria because you say she didn't have a lost love. She lost everything she ever loved. Her whole world was gone. Right. Her family, her friends, boyfriends. She wasn't like she wasn't an infant when the planet was destroyed. But she had spent most of her time growing up on Okada. You know. Well, that's fair, but that's also everybody. That's kind of like it's kind of like if you spent all your time at a boarding school and then went to college 
and then to say that you wouldn't really feel the loss if your hometown was destroyed. I would say that if you were like going home on your spring breaks and stuff like that and your winter <laughs> vacations, but it, it seems pretty much like they basically shipped her off and said, okay, you're not coming back until you're, you're good and ready. <laughs> now, obviously, losing everybody that, you know, your entire race is something that will create a hole. Yeah. And I was I was more referring to, like, you know, one specific. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Fatality's a very interesting character, and I'm glad to see that she's getting used. I, I've been intrigued by Fatality from her first appearance. I thought she was a great storyline. Um, partly because I loved that whole storyline with Jon Stewart in the beginning uh, through his Cosmic Odyssey. I thought that was great. I mean, just another fantastic Green Lantern moment. Um, and to bring that back and, and continue to have relevance and continue to have... Uh, an impact in the Green Lantern mythos. I thought Fatality was a good character. I'm glad to see that they're evolving her and moving her forward. I hope she stays evolved and continues to evolve instead of being forcibly drawn back into the old status quo, which happens far too often. Yeah, that's something I like. like for yeah. years, Fatality's whole thing is like she's been lashing out violently against Green Lantern. Striking out against John Stewart through like effigy because he was responsible yeah. for like lapping mm-hmm. up, but that's as deep as it ever went. It was sure. always so surface, and now maybe even through the ring, they're like, they're exploring that a little. Bit. Yeah, she was using murder and violence and hatred to fill the hole inside of her, that loss, that emptiness. And now she's using love to fill it instead. She's flipped the emotional spectrum so that now it's not about negativity. It's not lashing out out of negativity. It's lashing out, well, lashing out. It's acting out in a positive way as as a form of healing instead of destruction, Um, which a lot of people go through. Psychologically, it's it's part of a growth process. People who are damaged, wounded early in life grow up learning to uh, to hate sometimes. You know, to to be mean, to be vicious as a way of, of giving the world back what the world gave to them. But you know, this 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 just makes me think that like if like if the Sinestro Corps hadn't started up first, and if the Violet Corps hadn't gotten to her from the Sinestro Corps. She would have been, like, an absolute prime candidate for rage. Would have been. That's why she's such an interesting character, because she could. she's all over. She's so... Even though, like you say, a lot of the stories only really dealt with the surface element, the more you think about the character, the more is going on beneath the surface, and the more ways she can go. She's very sympathetic, uh, even though she could be monstrous at times. And that, again... Why did they dress her like a whore? Because it takes so much of that away. It says, we're only interested in what is on your surface. That's all we care about. We're not going to explore this deeply. Because even if we try and have deep emotional stories about this character, at the end of the day, you're staring at her boobs. And that's all there is. Because you can't look away. Yeah. It's like a trap. It's like a like a black vortex. It's like the gravity equivalent of Jupiter sucking in <laughs> moons and collecting them like toys. As much as you might try and justify or say it's just an artistic thing, or I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's what Star Sapphire's always been like. That's that's the way the character started. That's sort of historically. Star Sapphire is a girl who's crazy in love with a guy, and she's trying to possess him. And all that. At the same time, they're clearly very willing to go through and 
ditch and get rid of old concepts that no longer work. Right. right. They're doing a lot of overhauling to uh, the Green Lantern mythology right now, changing things wholesale. Um, sometimes with an explanation for why it's changed, sometimes they just get rid of it. Gone. Like uh, one of the ones that pains me the most is Aratia. They changed the story about her past so that it's not that she was actually a 14 year old girl, it's that she was a 214 year old girl. But on yeah. my world, it's yeah. relatively the same. Yeah. It was, you know, and I understand they want to clear that up because Hal Jordan has to be perfect, and if he's a pedophile, <laughs> he's not perfect. Uh, but it ruins the Erasure character. Not ruins, but it does a lot of damage to the Erasure character. Because yeah. she was the youngest Green Lantern ever. She's a girl who at 14 years old was capable of standing shoulder to shoulder with the greatest defenders of the galaxy. And that was huge. Huge. And they just got rid of it. Not because they needed to, but because it felt icky with Hal Jordan. That itself was a great story. I mean, not great because it made Hal Jordan a cool guy or anything, but sometimes the best stories force you to face something you don't want to have to face. Yeah. And Hal Jordan, in a moment of weakness, convinced himself that it's okay because she's grown up now, even though it was just a ring thing. And that is good storytelling. That's interesting. Explore that. Develop that. Work with that. Deal with that. Don't just ditch it and say she's hundreds of years old so that yeah. relatively we don't have to deal with it. Because it messes with the character. So obviously they're willing to get rid of stuff just out of hand because they don't think it works. So why do you have to keep the costuming? Why do you have to keep this facet of Star Sapphire history just because, unless on some level you don't care that all these women are running around in these horrible costumes. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, trying to appeal to the, the guy passing by. And, Ooh, yeah, yeah it's sex sells. I mean, when they first introduced this new version of Star Sapphire, the first cover was, like, Hal on the, on the ground on his back with Carol, yeah, like, yeah. full, like, yeah. uh-huh. I'll say full frontal, just, like, <laughs> standing over him. Yep. And yep. it's like... And it's more of the same, you know, it's not, it's not new, it's not different, it's not better, I mean, it might as well be Lady Death on the cover, you know, we're not trying to, it says subliminally, especially to female readers, but to male readers as well, it says we are not interested in a rounded portrayal of women, we are interested in girls dressed like sluts, because that is hot. And at the and you know we'll explore these characters and tell these stories, but let's face it, guys, that's hot. <laughs> Come on, you. We'll give you some eye candy while talking about love. Should so be, that wink, wink, you know what love we're talking about. Should be the full quote wow. for the trade. Uh. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. Come on. Oh, just like a little arrow drawn in. Every time she walks on stage, just have a whack, whack, whack. editor's box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. So the costuming, yeah, makes me crazy. Makes me crazy. It really does. You know, there's. Um, we do a lot of conventions, Comfort and I, over there. God, like 20, 20 conventions this year we're going to. On purpose, too. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. We're crazy. But we have a good time. Uh, half of the shows, at least, that we're doing are anime conventions. Oh. And what we've discovered at anime conventions, first off, is they're a freaking blast. These kids are fun. And I say kids. Ooh, kids. There's How kids out there. But we're talking, you know, uh, like 15 30 is the average age. Most of them hover around, you know, early 20s. So it's not like they're little kids bopping around with Naruto headbands on. (laughs) And they're into comics. 
deeply. You know, I mean, you know, call it manga, call it whatever. Comics is comics is comics, right? You know, it's sequential art telling the story. They love comics, and they love comic characters. And uh, we have a couple Green Lantern prints. They sell like crazy at anime shows. Kids know these characters. Kids like these characters. But at an anime convention, half the people there at least are girls. Girls who love comics. This is like, you might not realize it right now, especially if you're only into, like, the American side of the comic culture. This is, we are living in the golden age of the fangirl right now. They are all over. And we could be reaching them, but we're not. <laughs> that's And that's an excellent point. And just yesterday, one of our, uh, one of the girls on the forum, Meg, she came by. You met Meg? I met Meg. Is she here today? No. Damn it. Oh. She, she loves going to anime conventions. Yeah. She loves comics. Oh, yeah. But she hates going into comic shops uh-huh. because of the looks that she gets. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, girl, oh. Uh-huh. Well, we, um, Comfort and I are fond of saying most comic stores aren't really stores. You're going into some guy's basement yeah. and looking at his stuff. You know, and there's a club that hangs out there, yeah. and you know they hang up on the walls. Like some stores are getting a lot better. I've yeah. seen a lot more <laughs> comic stores being run like professional establishments, and that is excellent. But traditionally, the comic store has been a boys' club that's kept in a treehouse. Might as well hang a "No Girls Allowed" <laughs> sign on the door, and you know that that's it. You know, if you're not part of our group, we're not sure we want you around. We feel weird about you, and girls make us feel all shuffly, and we don't like that. But um, you know, when when a girl who likes comics, who's interested in this medium, who likes these characters because they see the cartoons, they watch the shows, they like the characters, they know the characters, and you put on the cover. This star sapphire, what's a girl going to think when she looks at that? I'm not saying you can't have sex appeal in comics, you know. I don't think Power Girl should ever get rid of the keyhole in the costume. Because some characters, that's who they are. That's what they're like. That's part of their character, you know. I'm not a raging feminist type. But you've got to have variety. And it's got to be about character first. Would Carol Ferris, professional woman, married woman... In her at least mid-thirties, who is finding that she's still deeply attracted to this wild bastard bad boy from her youth, would Carol Ferris dress herself like a teenage Pop-Tart? <laughs> no. She wouldn't. That's just not who she is. It doesn't make sense. Unless you, the creator, just want to force that to happen because, you know, sex your rocks off. Yeah. Sex sells. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, maybe it's an unfortunate truth, but we must be the paradigm shifters if we want to see the paradigm shift. You know, and, and you can say one thing is the only thing that sells, and it's fine to say that when it's the only thing you're selling. You know, it's like I look at the automotive industry complaining that, well, we only advertised SUVs because it's the only thing that really sold very well. Well, you know, if all you advertise is one thing, all you're going to sell is one thing. You, to an extent, you can decide what you're going to push. And if you make that push, then you can change things. But you have to be willing to try it, and you have to be willing to take a risk. So, you know, grow some balls, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, it's... But the other thing, and I really want to get to this, because this probably bothers me more than anything. More than anything, this is the thing. 
why are all star sapphires female? Fundamentally, <laughs> you are telling me the only people capable of feeling love on that level are women. I said that. I said that to you. Yes. It's <laughs> awful. It's not only awful, it's untrue. And it's not only untrue, it's insulting to both genders. Because you're not just saying, hey guys, you cannot love like a woman loves. <laughs> Bullshit. You're also saying, hey girls, we know you're the weaker sex. Because that's, that's sort of the other side of this equation. On the one hand, guys can't feel love like women feel love. On the other hand, women are ruled by their emotions, right? That's the old stereotype about girls. They're, we can't put women in power, they used to say, because they're ruled by emotions. They're emotional creatures. They can't help, they can't think rationally or logically. And now you've built an entire lantern core around the idea that only women can feel love so strong that it controls their very being. You know, what 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 enforces what you're what you're saying is that for you know many many years the Green Lantern Corps was run by a group of really old men. Yes, and absolutely. Look, look who comprises the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Men, women, rock uh, creatures, everything. Sure. Yeah. But they're run by a bunch of old men. Putting women in the Guardians was one of the best moves they could ever have made. It didn't make sense to have nothing but male Guardians. That's true. But the for the, uh, the Star Sapphires, it's run by all women. Which makes just as little sense as having you know, that's the, why, the Guardians all men. That's why I'm hoping, since like the Star Sapphires' like, command structure basically blew up, that now... Like, like, without the Zamron steering it, maybe the rings just will go by themselves to, like, whoever's feeling love, not whoever's feeling love that's female. That actually brings up a good point, though, because the rings are deciding who is worthy, ultimately. I mean, the Zamorans aren't handpicking their candidates. They have put commands into the ring, and the ring seeks out the bear. And you could almost say that the rings aren't guided by the Zamorans either. Now, there's a level on which it appears the rings have some connection to a greater force somewhere deeper in the universal fabric, the cosmic fabric of creation, and they are driven by that force. You know, the Guardians reacted to it and built the Green Lantern Corps, but those Green Lantern rings, the Guardians don't tell them where to go, and Mogo, Mogo doesn't tell them where to go. The rings find the bearer that is worthy. The, 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 the violet rings find the bears that are worthy. The Zamorans don't say... So what it must be is either the Zamorans are so petty and so blinded by their own uh, 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 angers, their own uh, bitter... Well, maybe not bitterness, but prejudices anyway. They're so blinded by their own prejudices that they have forced into their rings a command, never choose a male. Or this great cosmic whatever that the rings are tapping into, the light of creation that the rings are reflecting, the spectrum, is saying that, you know, only women can feel love. I, I tend to hope it's the former. Yeah. I would hope it's the former, but then what are you saying about the Zamorans? Well, I mean, that's, it's completely understandable, because they do, they hated the, the Owens. It's, it was the great rift that separated them. Well, yeah, them. but did they hate all men, or did they just hate those men? Well, those are the only men that they knew. Yeah. Extreme reaction to, you know, it's like, that's fair. These these are the only men in the room. You know, these are the only men I knew. I hate them, so therefore I'm probably going to hate all men. It's fair, but it creates a star sapphire core or or a violet core. It creates a core that's inherently flawed, and they're going to have to deal with that. Because if you're saying the Zamorans 
have this profound prejudice, which, you know, I'll agree, is, is rational. It's, it's, you could draw that conclusion. Psychologically, it makes sense. If we're saying that about the samurai, every piece of the structure they have made will reflect that psychological profile. The chambers that they've built for rehabilitation will rehabilitate based on their prejudice. The, uh, the commands they give to their star sapphires will reflect that prejudice. There will always be a certain amount of anti-male or at least pro-female prejudice built into everything that they're doing. So they either explore that and make it part of the concept and make that part of the story, or they just ignore it. And, and, it, and through ignoring it, reveal that they never really thought about it. I think I think that the way that I feel that this is going to play out is that it is going to be revealed that it's the uh, the Zamorans that are saying no uh, no men, and you know I feel like the rings are like being drawn to your aura of emotional light that you give yeah. Um in which case, I think that it would be very interesting, and I think that there's almost no way that they can't do it, that we're going to get a story of the first man that becomes a star sapphire. I would think they'd have to, although they'd have to. At that point, they will have to change the costumes. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> and I'm not saying because some guy would be dressed like a, you know, hoochie or something. I'm saying because all of a sudden you'd have a core full of hookers and one guy who looks respectable at the center. And that's going to look even worse. Yeah. You know, one guy who dresses like a respectable, you know, cosmic hero, surrounded by a bunch of girls dressed like cheap whores. And that, that just draws even more attention to the, yeah, to the problem. So, yeah, yeah, the Star Sapphires, I don't know, I love the idea of a core based on love, and I hope that they build stories around that that really explore the concept and deal with the Zamorans yes. and move the progress forward. I'm just afraid we're giving them too much credit right now. <laughs> I'm afraid that we as fans are reading a lot into the thought process going on behind this when it really just comes down to they had a kernel of an idea and they're throwing it out there and they look like they look because we thought that'd be sexy and they act like they act because that's how we think women act. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you've got a bunch of men writing these comics. And it has been shown time and again in comics that guys are not necessarily the best writers of women characters. Certainly not always true. I mean, the, the finest Wonder Woman I've ever read was Greg Rucka. Greg Rucka writes great female characters. Um, but unfortunately, Greg Rucka is an exception. At least in mainstream Marvel DC stuff, Greg Ruck is one of the exceptions to the rule. Yeah, the only other core I have as much a problem with is uh, the Blue Lanterns, but that's a whole other rant. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, we need to end this now, yeah. and we need to have you on again. Yeah. <laughs> Love um, to, gentlemen. You know what? Like, before you go, you know, yeah. like, by all means, take the time to tip out your wares. So, oh, you know, sure. You, um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you do a... a a uh, completely independent, you know, husband and wife collaborative comic called The Uniques, which yes. is your take on an ongoing superhero universe. It is. It is. It's it's everything we wanted to see in superhero comics but haven't gotten to see yet. Yeah. Um, the Uniques uh, um, are sort of like Hollywood high concept. Is Uniques is a lot like Teen Titans if it were an HBO series. Nice. <laughs> 
You know, it's Rob a, is doing drugs. No, so. no. It's not, it's not the Sopranos, for God's sake. They're not walking around, you know, singing Frank Sinatra or anything. But um, but it is, it is a, a, we're trying to do a more realistic look at teenagers with powers. You know, the way teenagers act, the way teenagers talk, the way the crap teenagers get into. You know, I mean, on the one hand, it means that in order to be authentic to the teenage experience, we're creating something that you can't sell to minors. But, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be R-rated. Listen to kids talk. Look at what kids get. Remember yourself. God, the stuff I did in high school, you know? Remember what your experience was. That's not PG-13. It just isn't. And so we're trying, you know, that's not the core of the book, you know, cursing and drinking and all that <laughs> stuff. It's not like that's all that happens. Icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. We're just trying to be authentic, you know? We're trying to be legitimate, to do stories about characters that are about people first, power second. Something that really like, piqued my interest is, and tell me if this isn't the plan anymore, yeah. but um, there's going to be actual like per, like permanent progression of time. Growth like the character, and change. Yeah, like the characters who are teenagers now, if they die along the way, they're dead. Yeah. If, they, if they live, they're going to, over the years, they're going to become right. like 50 years yeah, old. Yeah, we're going to follow them. Right now, they are, they range in age from 15 to 18. And over the course of the series, we're going to take them into their 40s and 50s. And characters are going to die, and death is permanent. It's about growing up as much as anything. I mean, remember, we're starting them at that period in your life where you're deciding the person you want to be. Right. You know, you're deciding what you want to do when you grow up, more or less. But profound character decisions about what, who am I? What do I want to be? You're looking around at the people around you. Some of these are multi-generational heroes. Their parents are some of the biggest heroes that have ever been. And they're looking at that and saying, is that who I am? And is that what I want to be or do I want to do something different? But there's a huge gulf between the person you want to be and the person you are. And how do you get to that? What compromises do you have to make along the way? Because you can't just automatically become. It's a process. It's about compromise, it's about growth, it's about change, it's about becoming. You know, it's about sacrifice. And, you know, first and foremost, it's just, it's about people. And this is completely self-published. Completely self-published, yeah. We do everything. Uh, Comfort and I write it together, we draw it together, we color it together, we letter it together, we do the whole thing together. Uh, the only thing we don't do is, you know press the print button. We, we have other people do that. <laughs> I know, I know. We don't own a printer, I'm sorry. Uh, so we where can they get, get this? You can get it? this. Uh, go to the website, uh, Uh The whole series is available right now. Uh, the ninth issue just came out. 53 page ninth issue for no additional cost. Full color. Full color comics. Uh, they're available in download version, PDF or CBZ for 99 cents. Uh, they're available in print for $5 a piece. We've got three trade paperbacks out now. Um, there are also a, an auxiliary series, an anthology series, The Unique's Tales, that we just started releasing. Uh, short stories by a lot of different creators. Right now we've got 35 different creators lined up for uh, Unique's Tales, and those are available free monthly short stories. First Wednesday of every month you get a new free story at uniquescomic.com. And is the first issue of Unique still available? First free? issue is free, yeah. 36 page, first issue, free download. Right Give there it on a the try. Website. Right there on the website, yeah. yeah. There's no reason not to try. No reason at go. all. Please, <laughs> please, give us a read. I and like Green Lantern. <laughs> for, all, for all the people that aren't here today, 
they can be extra jealous because of the print that you guys. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, we uh, we did the uh, the poster for the Super Show, which was a lot of fun. Kind of a, a late minute assignment fell in our laps. Peter just wrote us up and you know, said if something fell through, we really need your help. And you know, we were happy to. It was a whole lot of fun. A whole lot of fun to do. Very different project we and I was, get. I was talking with you about the, um, that Green Lantern Corps print that you have yeah. on your table. Do, yes. you, do you sell prints just at conventions or over your website? Just too? at conventions. Uh, you can contact us through, uh, we have DeviantArt pages. You can go to uniquescomic.com and all of the links to the different sites that we're on are there. You can see our galleries. Drop us an email and we'll talk about prints. But uh, we do, like I said, 20 conventions this year. We're going to be at C2E2. We're going to be at Pittsburgh. We're going to be at Baltimore. We're going to be, you know, uh, Anime Central, Anime North, uh, Otakon. We're going to be all over the place. So odds are if you're doing a convention this year, you got a 50-50 shot of seeing us sometime. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I do have a huge Green Lantern piece, and I know it's been a lot of places online. I've seen it pop up all over the place. So, yeah, it's it's been popular. Yeah, because I had just seen the pencils before today. So. Yeah, well, I have to go see this. I don't, get, I don't get a lot of chances to do stuff that's not for the comic. It takes a lot of time. We release bi-monthly because that's the fastest we can get this done. Uh, so it doesn't leave a lot of time for our own personal projects. So when I get the time to do one, I tend to put everything in it I could possibly want, because I might not get to again. So for this Green Lantern piece, I basically took every Green Lantern core character that I like and put everyone <laughs> in. There's got to be 60-some-odd characters in this piece. It's positively Perezian. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Adam, thank you for letting us take oh, you away from your money-making work for ah, half an hour. <laughs> yes. This is fun. I, this is part of why I love conventions. I, it's one of the few times I really get to talk comics with people. I really enjoy it. We will absolutely 100% be in touch. Sure. To get your blue lantern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Same time next year, probably. Great. Great. Well, whenever, guys. Okay. Thanks a lot. Adam Withers. Uniquescomic.com. Yeah, we'll put Thank this you. in the show notes. Oh, yes. Great. Yes. But it was just on okay. This is okay. where the magic happens. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're recording now. Okay. And then, once again, why don't you, you start us off? You just keep starting these. Yes. All right, we're being joined by one Mr. Dave Williams of Waiting for the Trade fame. Hi, Dave. I don't know if it's quite fame, but hi. How are you doing? It's famous enough. <laughs> yes. Famous to us. Wow. Yeah. Now, you're... Well, first of all, you're... As, as the name of your show flies, you wait for trades. Are you have you managed to stay unspoiled for Blackest Night for the most part so far? I I think I know one relatively major spoiler in terms of a, uh, a villain reveal in the series, but that's about it. Uh, it's you can spoil. We all know <laughs> the the Necron thing. Okay, is what okay. I know, but I don't know that character, so it means absolutely nothing to me. Okay, okay. so it's one of those kind of being spoiled moments where I went, okay, fine. You may as well have told me it was Abraham Lincoln, and that would have been amazing. Yeah, that would have been a good story. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll pay, TM patented copyright Dave Williams 2010. Yeah. That'll be we'll, my next story. We'll be careful not to. Yeah, we're we're not gonna spoil anything for you here. Oh yeah, no. Like, with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Can you believe he died? When that character... That was crazy. Oh, man. Um, 
Um, so with uh, Blackest Night, it's actually being collected in, like, what is it, nine different trades? I counted. I had to write them down to sort out. There are seven different volumes. They're starting out as hardcovers, eventually softcover. Um, the thing that really struck me about this is that it seems it's basically the polar opposite to how they dealt with the Sinestro Four War, which was their last big Green Lantern centric event. But it, it's classic uh, kind of big comic company behavior to be successful with something like Sinestro Core War, nice and contained, you know, two, three trades ultimately, um, to look at that and go, wow, we could have sold three times as many of those if we just span it out and because it's not only those nine trades that you've got listed there, because those are the Blackest Night trades. You've then got all of the title, colon, Blackest Night. It's kind of like Marvel and um, Secret Invasion. You had the kind of core Secret Invasion stories, but then you had all of the ongoing books oh God. that then crossed over. So I think if you look at the, the solicits, there's there's got to be 24. So, yeah, it's got to be a couple of dozen Blackest Night-related trades. <laughs> Um, I mean, my approach to it would be exactly the same as I did with Secret Invasion, which was uh, the, one of the benefits of waiting for the trade is you can sit back and go, was it good, was it bad, was it terrible? Of the two dozen spin-offs or, or interrelating trades, which are the good ones, which are the bad ones? And Secret Invasion, the, the forums, uh, was a fantastic uh, resource for that because come the end of it everyone was saying the same thing to everyone was saying try uh, Black Panther uh, I think everyone was talking very highly about Thor about Captain Britain and MI13 was the one thing I was buying monthly at that point for a friend I always feel guilty for a admit friend, to buy yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for a friend could you put it in a brown bag um, but yeah it was, it, was, it was the only one that I was buying monthly at that time but I'm going to do exactly the same this time around I will buy and read the core book and then loop back round for anything else. So if there's anything, uh, if they release some of the kind of tales of the, the uh, Black Lanterns or whatever they're calling yeah. them this time round, uh, then if those get released before the main story, I'll buy them and they'll just sit shrink wrapped on the shelf till I've read the main story. Because there's otherwise it's like read two issues from this trade, put it down, then read three issues from this trade, then come back to it. Then that's uh, crazy. Do you prefer it when? Well, because with this, like you know, they're they have they're going to be collecting the Blackest Night miniseries itself in one trade, and the Green Lantern tie-in issues in its own trade, and the Green Lantern core issues in its own trade. Like, do you prefer that kind of setup as opposed to what they did with Sinestro Core War, where they just kind of interwove the Green Lantern and Green Lantern cores in the same volumes? I guess it's a, it's a beast of a different color because Sinestro Core War there was no central title. Um, if it, it takes really, really skillful storytelling to seamlessly have the story jump back and forth between various titles. Um, and I think of, of anyone, Jeff Johns would be capable of it, but I would rather have the core storyline and then kind of stick to title. I, I, my, my preference, I think you can do it, and it works very well with Sinestro Core. But you're always, I'm always very conscious of the fact that, okay, now I've switched back, switched back to plotline A. Now I'm on plotline B. Okay, we're on plot C now. Um, and I think by putting it into a, uh, a kind of single trade, you, you do help with that. And it, you know, in the, in the from the bookstore market, it makes it a bit less intimidating to someone to say, okay, I don't need to buy two hardcovers, I can buy one, and in theory, get the whole story. Obviously, having read no parts of it other than 
uh, the Zero issue from Free Comic Book Day. Um, I don't know if you do get the whole story in it, or if it's one of those where you know, uh, I think Final Crisis was particularly bad for kind of you, know, you read the core story and then go, hang on, what, what on earth just happened? Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think that was because of the trade. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think that my biggest bugbear isn't that they've spanned it out across the universe. Because if, if they're good stories, I don't care how many titles it goes in. You know, I, I get, where I get frustrated is, is where when the story itself is weak. Um, my frustration is because it's DC. If you're actually waiting for the flop, sorry, the, the soft cover trade, you are going to be waiting till the middle of 2011. Did Jim? Didn't you tell me like? One of the things Johns and um, Lee wanted to do was change the turnaround time. Is that you? Oh, uh, not on trade paperbacks. Oh, really? They wanted to make it so that they they put out a decree that they can greenlight new series and new ideas faster to get more like more different kinds of books on the shelf. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, trade. Don't, don't be long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean they. I, I, for the for our podcast, I sat down and um, averaged out the, the gap for DC trade, and it, it's running uh, somewhere between uh, 11 and 13 months between the hardcover and the trade, yeah. and that is a long, long time. And I think the, the flip side of it, and the reason I the reason I get so frustrated isn't just because as a reader it annoys me, it's also because I think it is a barrier to entry for anyone who wants to read those stories, because yes. by the time, and I think Brian Deemer of Comic Geek Speak says this, by the time it comes around, you forget that you're interested in reading it. Uh, and you end up with these weird situations where, I don't know if you're aware of kind of straying off the Green Lantern thing slightly, but Booster Gold, the hardcover of, um, sorry, the, the soft cover trade paperback of Volume 3 of Booster Gold was out four months before the soft cover of Volume 2. So if you bought the soft covers as they came out, you would buy Volume 1, 3, then 2 because they released a hardcover and then waited a full year, even though in the interim they'd published a softcover of Volume 3. And it's that sort of level of insanity that it leads to. I guess, as I said, it's just, I think it, it enables people to step back and say, you know what, I'm not going to read them. I mean, if they, if all 20 of Blackest Night titles came out in softcover reasonably priced next month, I'd have a Blackest Night shelf because I'm just that sad. Uh, and I'm the sort of person who went, ooh, Civil War trades, all of the trades on the edge have, yeah, they were half colour, and then Secret Invasion was a connecting picture. And I had to pull myself back from, from kind of buying every single one with, just to get the, you know, it's only a space scene. It didn't even really, even really do anything. Um, do you think you're going to... Gonna like pick and choose like these like two or three black night hardcovers and wait for them soft cover on others or how are you gonna attack this? I, I'm really conflicted at the moment. Um, trades are getting more and more expensive in the UK because the pound is sinking against the dollar at the moment. A a discounted DC hardcover. Uh, the deepest discount you'll get in the UK is probably still around eighteen to twenty dollars. Oh wow! So I don't I don't know how that compares with like in stock trades or Amazon over here. Yeah, for the deepest discount, you can probably still get for a little cheaper than that. Yeah. yeah. 
Like I see, I see them like depending on what it is, like around fifteen or so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a significant amount of money. So um, it, I mean, it's a real challenge in, in that respect. I I think of the looking at your handy dandy list here. I, it is really difficult. I think probably, unless there's a story reason, the the resurrected titles. As much as I'm interested in that, don't get them. <laughs> it, it is that curiosity thing of, of probably. You know, I, I do take the mindset that books were cancelled for a reason in the first place. Um, it, it would probably be obviously the Blackest Night miniseries. I'm sure I'm not going to be able to wait a year to to read that. So I would imagine I will end up getting. Um, the, the kind of three core, the, the Green Lantern, the Green Lantern core, and, and Blackest Night itself as hard covers. And if I'm really digging it at that point, then the, the other thing is I'll have nothing but time to uh, to wait for for the soft cover to come out. So I can always loop back around and pick up the hard cover. Now, with just with how expensive um, hard covers, or even just an abundance of trades like this, can be like. Because, I mean, comic geeks are almost almost across the board completists in one fashion or another. Like, when you see a laundry list of, of you know, Blackest Night trades or some more hardcovers or something, like, is there is it hard to, to pick and choose? Like, I know you put a lot of faith in what other people are telling you, but, like, like is, it, is it hard to not try and get all of them regardless? It, it's slightly difficult. I, the, the companies themselves have all made it easier because most of what happens in the events will be meaningless, ultimately. And once you accept the fact that, ultimately, no matter what cool thing happens in this event, something two events down, uh, I think particularly in DC, I felt quite badly burned by... I, I sort of threw myself at one year later. I loved 52. I, I bought all of the one year later trades and, and was kind of great. You know, I, I didn't read DC growing up, so they, I thought... Fantastic! This is designed to be a jumping on point for me. Good luck. And, and so, but and you know, ultimately, here we are, what two, three years later, and it's meaningless. You know, pretty much anything that happened there, you know, Oliver Queen going off to his island to become a ninja, all of that stuff has pretty much been just sidelined, and no one cares about it anymore. Yeah. So that makes it easier to pick from them because actually, you look at it and go, if. If I if I if someone hasn't told me this is good, is it really worth spending you know fifteen twenty quid on buying the the trade or, or the hardcover? Um, so I, I don't often get pulled into the, the utter completist thing. But if I hear that everything is good, and, and again you know you sort of hear those rumours, but it, it's it's a mixed bag, and it and it you know it always will be. I think it's a case of if, if you're lucky. The core book and the, the kind of secondary, the, the stuff that's in type to it, will be uh, will be good, but you just never know. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Blackest Night, Green Lantern, and Green Lantern Core, definitely. Yeah. And then Blackest Lantern, Black Lantern Core Volume 2. I tried that already. I tried that on the forum. He's like, yeah, nope, I, I get number one. Yeah, I'm like, no, don't do it. That, that's where my OCD would kick in. Buying Volume 2 without buying Volume 1, oh, yeah. I would really struggle with. But nothing about the Volume 1, the, the Batman, Superman, Titan stuff, interests me in the slightest. Yeah, no, it's horrendous. But what you call it, something you had, uh, you had touched on, and I just want to go back to, was that... 
aside from like waiting for that trade paperback for you know so long, now you're waiting, you know, a year after a book comes out, sometimes even longer. Yeah. Well, now all of a sudden, if you decide, oh, you know what? Let me go back and find. You know, let me find more of this. It's like your options are either, you know, getting trade paperbacks and then getting hardcovers. Or, like, trying to search through, like, 12 different back issues for the actual floppies. Yeah. It's not a good situation. <laughs> no, it, it, as I said, I, I just think see, the whole thing is a barrier to entry. And, and my biggest worry about the, the, the new Guardians of DC is that Dan DiDio has been fairly public in saying his job was to not, or, or to make people read floppies, to not allow people to read trades. And that that was another part of the company's job to sell into the book market, to sell the, the, the you know, he was selling periodicals. My biggest worry is that with him in a more prominent position in the organisation, he'll take that feeling about trade reading through and it will become more difficult to, to read the trade. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really stubborn in that I don't, I genuinely just don't have space in my life for floppies. I don't have physical room in my house. I don't have... In, in the UK, they are uh, sort of $3 trade in... Sorry, $3 floppy in the UK costs about $4, $4.50. So whenever someone's bitching here about the cost of things, actually, it's much more expensive uh, full stop for us. So I'd, it's even less good value uh, that a floppy represents with 22 pages of story, if you're lucky, and full of adverts and you know, prone to delays and all of those things. So what what they will do if they do follow that route and they start making it even more difficult is I just won't buy them. Because it's not like I, you know, I spend... Uh, sorry, do a dollar conversion in my head. I spend roughly $200 a month in trades. If DC make it difficult for me to buy their trades, it's not like every month I'm sat there going, God, you know, I, I've got all this money and no trades to buy. Because <laughs> Marvel are putting out three or four times as many trades as DC. Yes. Now, admittedly, I think Marvel has saturated the market and some of the stuff... I, yeah, if, if I was doing anything for Marvel, it would be to narrow it down. But if DC just make it difficult, I won't. I just won't read it. And, um, it's part of the reason I didn't keep up with. Um, I actually dropped uh, out of Green Lantern after Sinestro Cold War. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Couldn't be asked with waiting around for, for uh, softback trades for it. Uh, and I've only now gone back and filled the gap because I'm getting excited about Black is Night. Um, but but I'd actually just kind of gone. Yeah, that was great put it on the shelf and I'll ignore it yeah yeah I don't I don't blame you because I myself like I buy the floppies and I also like to pick up the uh, the trade paperbacks I have for reference for the show and like, like you say it takes so long you just eventually you just get tired of it you don't want to wait for it yeah if you think it's it's maybe if a series finishes in March then it's typically with DC say three four months before the hardcover comes out then another year before the soft softcover comes out so you're looking somewhere 16 to 18 months since the story finished which means and, and it's part of you know waiting for the trade the downside is you don't get to be part of the conversation so I'll be being really excited about stuff you guys read a year ago in a few months time <laughs> which is a real downside it's the one biggest downside of it is you don't get to participate 
participate in the, the same way as people reading it. Well, by the time that the trade finally comes out, they've already put out three more stories. Yes, and and potentially have contradicted it, you know, or, or have you know, changed, d- decided things are going to go a different way with, with the storyline. So uh, it's a challenge, but you know, I think the the good thing is I'm you know, going into the event excited. I, I'm you know, I'm I'm really. The fact that I've gone back and filled those gaps with Greenlands and Greenlands and Four is quite unusual for me because normally if I drop something, I drop it. That's it. Yeah. You know, you've had your chance. You're done. Teen Titans. You're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> Teen, Teen Titans. I loved you once, but you are dead to me now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get out. Uh, so the the fact that I've gone in and filled those gaps says a lot about the excitement that I'm being felt. And I'm normally someone who's I'm really lukewarm on Jeff Johns. Normally, I do not drink the Jeff Johns Kool Aid. I don't dislike his work. Um, but I've never been blown away. Um, but but I've never hated everything. So he's kind of consistent, uh, but not spectacular for me. But I go into it. I'm you know excited about what they've done. And I'll admit, I went into my local comic shop and I bought issues to get the rings. Nice. <laughs> you could have just come I've, here. I've not read them. I couldn't even tell you what issues they are um, because they went straight in my pile of floppies to give away. They're keeping the, the, they're keeping the kitchen table level. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. yeah. For the most part, that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I genuinely couldn't. I think I, I I also bought a grab bag. Uh, Forbidden Planet in the UK. One of the other podcasts I do on my own. A comic book grab bag. Uh, Forbidden Planet do um, for uh, a pound, so about buck fifty, uh, five issue grab bag, and it's five random issues, and it could be from any point in time. Uh, so you can only see two of them: the one facing front and facing back. So it is literally just popped up, and I think I got um, is issue five of Blackest Night. Out? Yeah, that's where the reveal was. Yes, wasn't it? I I got that. Um, in a grab bag recently, but again, not yeah, read it. Read that one. It's one of my rules. Here. I won't. Re- I'm not going to spoil myself for something I've yet to buy. Yeah, okay. yeah. going in excited. So, uh, why don't you tell everybody about your podcast? Uh, okay, so waiting for the trade is hosted by me and my wife Ange. Uh, we are both comic geeks, and uh, it's a. Well, we we share a love for comics, but we also share a love for trades. And one of the things that when I first started listening to podcasts and going on the kind of communities, one of the things that was talked about time and time again was kind of trades are killing the market. Trades are, you know, that you're not a real comic fan if, if you if you read trades and you don't read copies. And and kind of as a uh, to fight back against that was to create a little haven for people who do like to read trades because there are very few people actually now who I've spoken to who only buy floppies. Um, most people have a mixture of, yes. you know. I collect floppies, but I read my trades, and they're there for reference material, yes. like you said, Jim. Um, but a lot of people, you know, are now biasing more and more towards it. And actually, a lot of creators, funnily enough, when you listen to creator interviews, it's almost explicitly, or exclusively rather, that they're all tra- um, trade readers. So we thought, well, why not? Let's let's record a, a podcast. It's typically just myself and the wife. We don't normally do interviews. I think we've had one guest spot on there. That's more because I'm a cheapskate and I haven't bought a mixer board so that I can do Skype yet. Um, but we uh, we review one or two episodes uh, each week. Uh, sorry, one or two episodes, one or two trades a week, and talk about kind of generally what's going on in the uh, in the industry uh, from a trade waiter's perspective, which is obviously. Yeah, we're, we're looking, wow, so there's a new creative 
or a new uh, administrative lineup at BC. I wonder what that's going to look like in 18 months' time when we get <laughs> yeah. to see uh, you can find us on iTunes if you search for Waiting for the Trade, um, or we are at uh, wftt.libsyn.com, uh, and we're on the comicforums.com. And you have a blog now, too. Oh, yes. Well remembered. Uh, my agent over here... My check's in the mail, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, we do, because there are only so many books that we can talk about on the podcast, but we probably read about 15 or 20 trades a month, we've started doing a trade reviews blog because there are lots of uh, comics, individual floppies uh, review sites with very few that focus on trades and that's waitingforthetrade.wordpress.com and typically, well, not while I'm swanning about in the US but when I'm not swanning about in the US there'll be uh, one or two trade reviews a week posted onto that. Nice. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. And, uh, nice to, to see you at Super Show 2010. Uh, are you guys coming back next year? Uh, if, uh, if monetary circumstances allow, we will definitely be back for 2011. I will be very honest. I am so, so looking forward to your take on like what you have to read to Blackest Night to, to understand everything. Yeah. You know, how much of it you think is contained in the, the, mini, the main series and how much you need to read from the It, it is a different experience often reading them in, in that way so uh, yeah I'm, I'm we'll, we will do we, we call them Event Horizon which is our event based yeah. uh, episodes where we we look at specifics oh and here's my son we'll definitely be doing an Event Horizon on Blackest Night Lucas could you just tell the microphone do you like Green Lantern yes do you like Green Lantern a lot? What other colour rings do you have at home? What colour? I don't know. You don't know. Okay, well, should we say goodbye from waiting for the trade? Can you say goodbye from waiting for the trade? And uh, thanks again for having us. Thank you very much. Okay, now joining us on the line is Chad Bokelman, the documentary guy. How's it going, Chad? Good. How's it going with you guys? Good. Great. Pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine after coming back from Super Show. God, I'm still tired. Oh, yeah. I, I can't comment on that. I've never been to a con in my life. I thought you went to one, like, late last year. Or No. No, I mean there's a couple of a couple of small things going on around Austin occasionally that my LCS talks about, but really there's there's every time I look at like what's coming up, there's nothing there that would interest me. But maybe I should go just to get the experience. I have no idea. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So so Chad, like the reason that we wanted to have you on is because you went like above and beyond, and you. You helped us out tremendously. You went through our episodes and got the best of moments. And you didn't just, like, say, okay, go to this episode because there's a really great moment. You, like, you went to that episode and you got, like, the exact timestamp so that, like, when I was putting it all together, it was, like, it could not have been easier. So, like, I want you to talk about that and explain, like, what, what the, the amount of work that actually went into that. I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't too hard. I mean, like I said, I, I love the show, and I, I've, I've commented once or twice that before a new episode comes out, I listen to the old one, the previous one, like 
three or four times again just to make sure I didn't miss anything or anything like that. So, I mean, I mean, I just wanted to listen to some more. All you really did was ask me to listen to what I've already listened to, and I I do that anyways. Just all I had to do was pay attention to timestamps, so it's no big deal. But, I mean, the only thing is I, I had to work 12 hours the day, you know, that day, and I just came home, and I did that for a little while. But, you know, you didn't ask me to do anything physical, so... I was happy about that, <laughs> but I mean, it's the least, it's, it's the least I can do honestly, because you guys set up a great podcast. Uh, I, I'm not interested in too many things comic related. Green Lantern was the first thing I got really passionate about. And then I found your podcast and then I found the forums and through the forums, I've met a lot of cool people. And I mean, like Jacob, he went to um, Megacon in Florida picked up a, a Van Shiver autograph on Flash Tree of Earth number one for me and is sending it to me free of charge as like a present. And that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever. I mean, I, I've, I've got like a, a, an extra little family, you know, and it's like the least I can do. And I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. Definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. Except for Dan, he's adopted. Yeah, and you know what? I'm the one that everybody spoils because, you know, they feel sorry for me because my parents got lit on fire in a tar pit or something. Wow. Did they leave you in a fridge? <laughs> um, refrigerator box, so it wasn't that traumatic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. He was... As long as they didn't stick a fork in you. <laughs> oh. He was a refrigerator box, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, well. Well, Chad, I mean, we, we, like I said, we so appreciate it. Like, you know, those, those CDs that we were handing out the CDs and on Sunday we had somebody come around and he's like, I, I hate you guys. He's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I hate you guys. And <laughs> now, I mean, like, I'm thinking like, okay, well, we're not for everybody, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Phil, that's a hell of an opening line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried to jump out in the in front of that and be like, uh, okay, you know, uh, what do you hate about us? <laughs> and, and then he says something like, "Because of you, I have another podcast to listen to," or something like that. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, okay." Oh man, were you ready to fight back or something? No, no. I, you know, like you have to be ready for criticism. Like, whenever you put your stuff out there, you know, for everybody that says, oh, you guys are awesome, you should expect, like, ten other people to be like, wow, you suck, you're horrible. Um, but you don't do it for them. You know, you do it for the people that, you know, that love it. And so, okay, well, if somebody's like, I hate you guys, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of other podcasts out there that I'm sure you would enjoy. But, yeah, like, he just, he totally followed it up with, like, it's like, now, because of you, I have to try and fit another podcast into my listening schedule. I, he loved, like, that, that Best of CD, he loved it so much, like, he went home that night and downloaded another six episodes. Yeah, that's right. He got a CD from us on Saturday, yeah. went home, listened to it, then subscribed, and then came back Sunday and told us this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That's amazing. How long was the CD again? How, yeah, how... I think it was like a typical episode you guys put out. It's like an hour, 20 minutes, something like that. Yeah. How the hell did you find an hour and 20 minutes of good stuff? 
you guys are better than you give yourselves credit for. Uh, plus, you got a lot of interviews. I mean, you you could have just thrown the whole Phil Lamar interview on one CD and called it the best. Uh, but, That's true. That was the uh, best. <laughs> we actually thought about that, but we're revised against it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a gr- there's a bunch of good stuff. I mean, I've I, I've got my little notes up here on my my screen, and I've got like why I picked it and stuff like that, and all the timestamps still in case it somehow got lost in the email. But I mean, like even in episode zero with replacing verbs with lantern cast. I mean, that was I, I was laughing episode zero. So you know, I mean, it's good stuff, and then. The fridge, baby, and where did you guys have that uh, extra stuff from episode zero, where Jim, you're counting, you're trying to count down from three or one, and no one knows what's going on. Oh God. <laughs> oh, where do we post that? Was that in? Um, that was the end of? Was that in twenty five? Yeah, the end of twenty five. Because uh, it sounded familiar. I just I didn't know where it was. Oh yeah, yeah, like, oh man, that that was like the the best. Like we we had just just started recording and like we had no like we had no idea we didn't like discuss like uh an intro um and we were basically just completely winging it and (laughs) as you can plainly see (laughs) we haven't exactly come that far (laughs) but (laughs) but uh yeah like i that that clip alone of the you know the uh, the bloopers, like I, I would just listen to that like you know by myself like for you know a while after that and just like you know be hysterical laughing and we knew that eventually that was going to be you know attached to you know the end of an episode after the uh, the credits, but uh, yeah twenty five is when we finally got to fit it in. And you refused to play it for Lauren for like a year. <laughs> She would ask about it. He'd be like, oh, maybe later. And then, you know, no, for a year. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. It, I mean, especially Lauren's already hilarious. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you should have put her in sooner. Yeah. I keep telling them we need to get her on for, like, another episode. Just, like, like she didn't even have to read anything. Just slap her on. Just She can comment at will. <laughs> uh, maybe another uh, ask Lauren. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll try not to put any philosophical questions on this time. <laughs> I was sitting at home. You know what it, it feels like to be embarrassed by yourself <laughs> oh, with God. no one around you. <laughs> I heard you say you're. You, <laughs> I heard you say you're killing us, Chad. And I just kind of looked around, and went sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, no, she she was like, she was thinking like, you know, fun, geeky questions and stuff like that. And you put on something that's like so phil- philosophically deep. It's like even I had to just like kind of take a minute to just be like, okay, what what the hell is this question even asking? I don't even understand it. If we have another <laughs> Ask Lauren, I'm totally jumping on this. Like, I, I'm, I, I, God. I have friends who are, like, scientists, and I'll just randomly text them questions that, like, just come to me at random. And it's always, like, like an incident of, like, oh, Christ, okay, get everybody together, we have to figure this out. I have no examples, but <laughs> it'll be awesome. 
How can you say stuff like that and not have examples yeah, right? I think like like one time I texted her and I'm like, hey, like what happens if the earth explodes or something? And they're like, Well, all life will die. And I'm like, No, 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 no. I meant to like the other planets and shit. What? And they're like, uh, um, uh, uh, so so they ended up so I got like a room full of scientists to sit down and have like a discussion about you know what would happen to like the placement and rotation and environments of the rest of the planets our solar system if the earth blew up <laughs> and then they got back to me like the, within the next two days what would happen if Zanshi, Mogo and Earth were in the same orbit <laughs> ask him that nothing <laughs> <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> I still think that's how they should end Blackest Night. Oh, God. Mogo, no, Mogo should show up, be like, hey, guys, I'm here to help, but he, like, stops too late, and he bumps into the moon, and it crashes into the Earth. Oh. Oh. oh we already know, we already know that Mogo can uh, control his, his gravitational force field or whatever. Yeah, but what if he's a crappy driver? Have you thought about that? <laughs> Well, did you read GL52? Yes. Have you all both read it now? Okay. Well, yes. wasn't there like a, a quick panel where Zanchi's disrupted the Earth's gravity? I mean, I know he shot the thing into the ocean and all that and was aiming for Coast City, but... Yeah, like they, everything yeah. was shaking and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I was predictive in a way. At least I like to think I was. <laughs> Take your victories where you can. Uh, I might as well do it while I'm on the air. <laughs> I did want to say uh, about the about the CD itself that uh, I never really got a chance to say this. Whoever this Eric Robertson guy is, I don't know if he's on the forums a lot, and I'm just missing him or whatever. You got you got to have him on one more time because I was re-listening to that, and that was just the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> we're gonna have him on in a little while. <laughs> uh, because. I mean, he. I I put that clip of him in there because he pretty much summed up why everybody loves Jeff Johns, and why this this series with GL and then Blackest Night going on is 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 selling as well as it did. I mean, it's not just this, but starting with with uh, Rebirth and going on, because uh, I've been rereading stuff, and he was right. Like he knew what he was doing, so. It's really good to. It also shows. I put it in there. I told Jim. Uh, it shows that you guys interact with your fans a lot. I mean, me being on the episode in the first place shows you interact with your fans a lot. So, uh, and I was actually surfing through the forums and looking at the other podcast, uh, the other podcast forums, and I, I think you guys may have had may have one of the top ten, fifteen amount of posts or whatever. Jesus, really. I don't know. You guys got a lot of pages worth of posts, so I don't know. There's some posts. There's there's some podcasts on there that don't even exist anymore. So That's maybe you're winning by default. But <laughs> I'll, I will take yes, it. I'll take default. <laughs> uh, you're the only podcast I listen to. So I mean, I just said today that I don't even listen to CGS. Maybe I should, but. Uh, I hear a lot of good things about it. They're the best. I love you, CGS, in case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like we've said numerous times, if it wasn't for CGS, there would be no Lantern cast. 
Yeah, and CGS has the power to ban all of us and delete our forum from the internet. So we love you, CGS. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to go with that. It's, I'm going to have to say that because I was lost without the forums for those yeah. few days. Oh, God, we got back from Super Show. I, I went online and the forums were down again. I was like, I got really... <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. The time it was only for like a day. Yeah, that's no, that's that's tough because you, you know, you come to depend on them basically. I know, and what sucks is like I thought of something because Shane, one of the CGS guys, he's huge into like Booster Gold and the Justice League International, and I thought of something that I meant to ask him at the show, but I didn't get a chance to. So I'm like, oh, I'll just ask him on the forum. Yeah. The forum was down. So I'm like, oh, I'm totally gonna forget this. So I left CGS a voicemail, and that was a god-awful idea, because I suck on the phone. (laughs) Like, despite the fact that we spent, like, 50-something episodes, like, talking to each other on the phone for hours on end, I'm awful when I have to be holding, like, an actual phone to my face. Yes, and the listeners know it from that one episode that you conducted over the phone. Oh, please, I carried you. (laughs) You wish! Oh, boy. I'm laughing, but I have no clue what I'm laughing oh, at. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, guys, I'm going to try and do something that we have never done. Um, Quality? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, Let's see. I'm so self-deprecating. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm there sometimes, too. Sweet. In order to write something interesting, sometimes you have to be self-deprecating, so. Hmm. No. It's kind of sad. Okay, so now this this isn't going to work. I was going to try and add Jason in, but. Can I do that? Can you? No. I don't know. Let me no, see. You, you can't. You can't because it's his cell number. Damn it. Uh, and I don't have the, uh, the conference call option on here, mm. which is weird. Okay, Chad, do you have anything that you'd like to promote or anything? Uh, no, just the documentary as always. There's not much new going on with that, but the only the only stuff going on with that is I've added, uh, since the last time we talked, I've added Jackie Nodell to that. And uh, I, I was just thinking about this the other day with Jackie Nodell, and the, you know she can talk about her grandfather, and that covers the beginning of GL, and... Um, Neil Adams and um, Denny O'Neill Denny, Denny O'Neil can cover like the 60s and 70s and then uh, Judd Winnick and Ron Mars can cover the 80s and the 90s so I just really need like <laughs> Jeff Johns or Peter Tomasi or something good luck with that but uh, <laughs> I'm trying um, I actually know someone who's a professional photographer in California he's helping me out on the, the visual side and what I should be doing that way and uh, DC and Warner have both said that I am not the kind of person that they usually, you know, approach about this kind of thing, which, you know, I understand from a business perspective. But um, I talked to a copyright lawyer and he said within the confines of a documentary title, there's a lot I can still legally do. So my hope is to actually throw it all together as I would regularly and then edit it as uh, within the confines of the law right. and show, show them the original show DC or Warner, or whoever had to show the original and hope they go, Hey, wow, this is cool. You know, maybe we will back this. So 
I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm just I'm trying to get all these loose ends tied together. And there are a couple of local film schools around me that I can still hit up and and go talk to students. So awesome. Hopefully all that works out. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, Chad, since we have a few more people that we have to get to on this giant episode 50, I'm going to let you get going. All right. Uh, And we will see you on the forums. Yep. Night, Chad. Night. Night. Okay. I think Chad's still here. Hang, Hang up. Hang up, right? I didn't know if I was supposed to hang up here. You guys hang up. Uh... I I don't think does it matter? It doesn't matter. Alright. Alright, bye. So long. <laughs> we have to, meh, We have to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Chad? Chad's gone. Okay. Um Hello? Hey J- Jason? Yes. Can you hear us? You're about to call him Jason. I... Can you hear me? Yes. Sweet. Yay. We can all hear everyone. Okay. Now the three of us are here. We're on Skype, because we didn't have enough time to record everything at the Super Show. This is episode 50. We are recording, so this is all going into the episode. And I'm I'm going to try something that we've never accomplished. We've We've never accomplished this on the show before. So here we go. Oh, man. If this works, it's going to be crazy. No idea what he's doing right now. (laughs) Jason? Hello? Hey, Eric. Jason, can you hear us? Jason? Eric, can you hear you? Okay. Hey, Eric. Okay. Eric, uh, we'll call you back in just a minute because this isn't working again. Hold on. It's smooth. Jason, you there? Hello? Jason! Yay! Okay, so we tried something, and it failed miserably. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, Dan, um, I'm going to give you a number that you have to try and add to conference. I thought I couldn't do that. (laughs) I think, okay, if you have this, if you have my friend Eric in your, uh, you know, on your list... Uh-huh. And you added him to conference, then we might be able to do it. All right, should I do his phone number or Skype? Uh, Skype. Do by Skype. Okay. Um, okay. Is he added? I'm getting there. Okay. Okay, well, it didn't work the first time, but now we're going to try it again. Something that the letter guest has never done before. We've never been able to accomplish this. But maybe... Maybe it'll work if we try it a different way. You should definitely cross your fingers. <laughs> this is riveting podcasting. <laughs> should we actually, like, talk to Jason while we're waiting? <laughs> ah, I talked to that guy plenty while, over the Super Show. Yeah, thinks he's all high and mighty since he won an award. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, can you please refer to me as the award-winning Jason Grice? <laughs> CGS 2010 Super Show award-winning talker, Jason Grace. <laughs> oh, there he is. All right. Okay. All right. So when I got I sh- back home, my Facebook had 18 friend requests. <laughs> nice. 
Dude, I looked at the forums today, and there's at least two or three threads on different forums talking about how awesome you are, and that's yeah. all the thread is about. I saw the one on the Super Show and the one on the Comic Geeks, because that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got home okay, though? Yeah, it was, when I got to the, ho- or got to the, I got to the airport, I went and, uh, went to go check in, and they're like, yeah, we overbooked this flight, so you might not be leaving till tomorrow. Hello. Hello. Oh my God. Did did I just do it, Eric? I found a button that said "Add People." I don't know if I did it or. No, I did. I don't know. I did it. Okay. All right. Whatever, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right now, this is episode fifty of the Lantern Cast, and we've done something we've never been able to do before. We have four people recording at once that you know all from separate places. So we have Jason. Say hi, Jason. Hello. We have Eric Robertson, my, my friend. Say hello, Eric. Truly a moment in history that rives the technical awesomeness of splitting the atom. Four people at once on Skype. And Dan. Yeah. Hey, I was here already. Yeah, I know. That's... So was I. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so we have four people <laughs> at once. Oh, my God. This is probably not a good idea, but let's go with it anyway. Is is this as far as your plan went, or was there a point to having all of us together? <laughs> no, no point really. Just 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 to see if we could do it. God. <laughs> Isn't that why they split the atom? Just to see if they could. Yeah. <laughs> Much. There's no point to it. Just um, hey, look at all this crap that flew out here. Oh, sweet. Oh. I'm reminded of when they invented the sandwich, basically to keep from getting up during cards. So yeah, how about Super Show, everybody? That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we were all there. <laughs> yeah. We're so, so badass. So I don't even, like, I, I, I'm sure we'll be able to use some of that, that stuff that uh, we recorded at the show, <laughs> but I don't think we're going to get to use all of it. So Well, not okay. not the part with the three of us sitting there, because, like, I, I didn't expect Sunday to be that noisy. I expected it to be, like a lot quieter, a lot less people there, but it was, like, the loudest time of the weekend. Oh, my God. Oh, really? So, uh, so you can't really use all that stuff just because of the, um, just because of all the background noise? I think the interviews we got will be fine. Just, like, when, when Jim, Jason, and I started to, to get into it, it's, like, it, people were starting to take stuff down, and yeah. everybody was kind of, like, kind of, like, clustering, and just, it just got progressively louder yeah. all over the place, so... Jim, you you know what I realized today at work? I was just thinking back on the weekend. I spent an entire weekend with you, and we didn't talk about Green Lantern, like, once. Like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Oh, man. We're surrounded by comic books. (laughs) Seriously. I I said to Lauren afterwards, and, um, you know, and and she, she was saying to me, she says, if we could go, you know, and, like, stay another day or two and actually go and do things other than the convention, like, she would really love that. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, well, that would be great, because then it's not like, you know, you're not traveling <laughs> six hours first, <laughs> you know, the first day that everybody's, you know, starting to meet up and everything like that. And, you know, you don't have to break everything down, you know, and cut out at 3 p.m., on uh, on Sunday, so you get home at a decent hour on Sunday. But 
I still think it's crazy it took you six hours. But didn't you get home in three? Yeah, three and a half hours. We got uh, Eric. Was it was it not three and a half hours or so? After we dropped uh, that one guy off at the bus station, yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah, Grayson. Yes. There, there's, another, there's like another um, say half hour to the trip with that. Hey, did everybody know it was Grayson's birthday? Like on the first day of Super Show or something? No. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so, you know, if, if you're listening, happy birthday, man. I can't remember if I knew at the show. Oh, man. I was I was completely was unaware of this. On Friday. It was Friday. Oh, it was on Friday? Yeah, okay. it was on Friday, because when we went to uh, the Shady Maple, he got a free birthday breakfast someone who paid, so I paid for mine. I'm like, hey, man, it's his birthday. They're like, okay. <laughs> cool. So he got, he got free breakfast. <laughs> I guess I missed out on that. You know, I didn't meet him till Saturday, so he's already old, I guess. He's a cool guy, though. Uh, yeah. Jason, that, I still can't get over the fact that you didn't stop smiling once the entire weekend. <laughs> like, you were eating with, like, a like a full smile on your face. I'm like, how is he chewing? This is weird. <laughs> Must make a correction to that. I uh, spotted him while he was shaving his head, and he kind of had a serious look on his face. <laughs> while, while he was, like, uh, trimming the temples there. <laughs> I have to make sure not to cut myself. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of vital arteries in there, so I understand why. But just just the, that one part of the weekend, I did not see Jason's. He's deep in concentration. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun. I had such a blast. And everybody's been so cool on the forum. I mean, even since I got back, putting threads up about me and stuff, that was really cool. Um, let's see. So... I guess I guess really we we should have probably had some sort of a plan for this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm at work like four hours ago, and Jim texts me, "Hey, can you record tonight at like 10? <laughs> like, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, the only thing that I had to say is like I guess prior planning prevents piss poor performance. That's the uh, six P's that I shared with Jeremy over there, as we were uh, lamenting all the stuff that we weren't able to do. If I had uh, my way, I would have made it a three-day weekend and done more stuff. But uh, that's like my only—that's my big complaint right there—is that uh, even though it wasn't the biggest show, there was still so much to do. And, oh God, uh, yes. So, so much to check it, check out that uh, you know I barely even scratched the surface. I felt like I'm like, man, man, I just really should have—I uh, don't know—like walked faster and talked faster <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like Jim, you and I have basically told said that to each other before about this too like like even though super show it's like it's not in the biggest room in the world and by convention standards it's probably like like medium to small kind of setup but you know even though i was there all day for two days straight i i can say fairly confidently that i did not see half the people that were there set up or walking around i did not see half of the stuff on the, the tables you know i like I feel like I could have spent another another day or two there and still found completely new stuff that I and new people that I just didn't talk to or didn't meet there yet. It's like it's so crazy because you would think like a show that size, you walk around for a couple hours and you have like the whole lay of the land down. You've hit everything and talked to everybody and gotten sketches from everybody you wanted to sketch from. And but it's it's just not. It's just it's it's. It's it's Super Show is like a TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Absolutely. Well, even even beyond that, it's you know it's it's bigger in heart than it would ever appear to be from the outside. I actually just uh, said this to the CGS guys. Like, 
other shows like New York or San Diego is more about the spectacle and the size and like what can, what information can you glean and what stuff can you get. Super Show has all of that, but in heart instead. You know, it's it's just it's it's honestly, guys, it's, it's like it's just hanging out with your best friends if your best friends happen to be like two hundred people. <laughs> yep. Now, um, since I don't want to keep Eric too much longer, Eric. I know you haven't been to very many conventions, so you know you said that you know it's it, it's not it's not huge, but you you could have used a lot more time to you know to really talk to everybody. So I mean, like you know, as far as you know your experience goes, like and you know, use your imagination as far as the other conventions from what you've heard people talk about. Like you know, what are your what are your overall thoughts on Super Show? Well, um, besides the fact that I wish it was more time, I really did enjoy the fact that you were able to go around. You were able to meet a bunch of the different uh, artists and uh, vendors and such, and just, you know, have a discussion with them out of the blue and uh, talk about whatever it is they're into, you know? Like, uh, and there's going to be a lot of stuff there that's good, but you haven't necessarily heard of, even if you're just uh, a casual comics fan or, or you like one thing or another, you know? Like, uh... Like, I thought the concepts for the Mouse Guard and the uh, Mouse Mice Templar were both very intriguing concepts, you know, and I never would have heard of either one. And um, if I went to something like a Mocha, which was, had to be at least three times the size, at least, would you say? Uh, yeah, I would say probably. Yeah, Eight Mocha, times. yeah. And, and that's just all amateurs. This is, uh, you know, you have professionals just doing what they love, and you're able to interact with them, and... Uh, get a real feel for the landscape and you you understand why people are going to truck all the way from uh, <laughs> Australia specifically to go to this show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody just actually literally picked up and came across the freaking planet <laughs> to uh, hang out with these uh, 200 other like-minded uh, folks over at uh, Redding, Pennsylvania, I think is what we settled on the pronunciation of the uh, place, yes. right? Yeah, Reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, got a feel to it that's very hard to describe, simply because there's a uh, there's a lot of camaraderie involved that uh, it, you don't even have to be an insider to get in on it. You know, it's like just being there, you pick up on it immediately, and it's really easy to fall into. Mm. You know, I've never. Uh, like I, I, I think I've perused the forums, but I never even like set up a screen name or anything like that, simply because I am already wasting far too much time on the computer already. <laughs> but um, you know, you you get a definitely get the feeling that a lot of these people know who they are, or at least have some idea of who these people are, even if they've never met. You know, so uh, yeah, there's a real feeling of community there that is unusual to find amongst a bunch of people that have met each other maybe once or twice in their mm-hmm. lives. At one point during the weekend, I just stopped and just looked around, and I thought to myself, you know what? The internet did this. And that was just yeah, right. insane. Like, yeah, we had, like, somebody come in from Australia. Uh, someone, I don't know who it was, came in from Germany. There was a family of three from England. There's like, a van full of people from uh, Canada. You know, three guys from Texas almost showed up, but they couldn't. It's it's just so crazy, you know? People from, from Texas. Oh, you're from Texas? Yes. All right, represent. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but um, no, I mean, it's definitely uh, an internet phenomenon. I mean, I really don't see uh, I really don't see conventions just coming together and having that kind of pull for that size on just like uh, you know old media magazines and uh, newsletters and such. It's just not happening. The uh, real time communication isn't there to uh, to establish that level of uh, community. You know, mm-hmm. even if you did have just like a few relatively well-known figures like uh, CGS guys that uh, that would be the equivalent of like the guy publishing the newsletter, but you still wouldn't have any idea who else is reading it. That's just uh, a new thing that the Internet's brought about. And all, I might add, for free, as long as you're not a guy trying to host the website. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <sighs> and uh, it's, um, if, you, if you go back in time and told this to someone, like, you know, 20 years ago, they look at you like you had three heads and be like, what the oh, hell are you yeah. babbling about? And you're gonna, people are going to fly to Reading, Pennsylvania, Reading, Pennsylvania from uh, <laughs> from uh, from Australia and Germany and, and uh, Britain and all across the nation. Las Vegas, even I think, would be a stretch for uh, for any for any event that uh, didn't involve family or something 20 years ago, you know, yeah. or something that that small, you know. And even then, if it was a much larger show. Um, it wouldn't be the same since a community would just be, oh, wait, the whole industry is putting on this huge show and we have to go just because. <laughs> There's just no equivalent to it um, until recent history, obviously. And um, from what I heard, all the creators that I spoke to said that they would, uh, they would be happy to go again if they could be invited next year as long as there was another show. And um, I can see anything but uh, growth in the future for it if they want to keep on uh, keeping on with it. I'm very interested to see like how their numbers stack up to uh, the first Super Show because I was trying to figure out you know were there more attendees this time versus last time because I know the uh, the number of guests is what double what it was the, the first year, but I just I couldn't tell. Well, is that something they publish or are they even keeping track of that? Well, they 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 have to sell tickets, so they should have at least like they should have some kind of number, uh, some kind of account. Uh, so. We'll uh, definitely find out. But I uh, I have to say just a couple things that I uh, for one thing, yeah, like I wish it was like a three day weekend instead of a two. You know, um, even if that's uh, maybe it was just us not showing up until late Friday, <laughs> but uh, who knows. That would, that would be cool, I think, especially if there's going to be more exhibitors. And uh, just to give more time to just do more stuff, get around. I know that I can't be the only one that felt like that, uh, that there was so much more out there just to go and explore, and I could have used another day, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And you two guys were actually at the table, like, the, like uh, a bigger chunk of the time than I was, so... Like, it must have been even more difficult for you to just try to get around and do stuff. (laughs) We're going to get into that, like, no doubt. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go into detail on that. But I I do want to say, Eric, thank you very much. Um, You you helped us out, like, big time with with sound quality and stuff like that. Like, you know, I I spent almost no time whatsoever, like, looking into that. So I appreciate that. Um, And, you know, I do appreciate the help this weekend. And I'm glad you had a good time. And I will talk to you later on. All right. Well, um, you know, my pleasure. Not a problem at all. Um, Jason, it was awesome meeting you. 
and uh, look forward to meeting you again in the future at some point. Absolutely. And uh, as far as Dan goes, I'm sure our paths will cross at some point in the, you know, relatively near future. So uh, indeed. All right. And uh, by the way, jerk, I uh, noticed that out of our whole band, all the whole group, Lantern Cash crew, I'm the only one that uh, you you failed to put up on Facebook. 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 <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, there's Jen, and there's all the uh, not quite radio guys, and there's Jason, and there's Jim, and oh, here by the way is a uh, few other people, and let's see, where am I? I? Oh, I'm in this blurry picture off in the corner. Do I even have pictures of you? Because I put up all the pictures I took. Well, that's that's kind of the point, dude. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Nice, Dan. You were all over the place. Nice. <laughs> That's it. I'm deleting the pictures that have Jim in them. <laughs> uh, don't make him do it. Don't make him do it. I'll do it. You don't need to delete them. Just like, uh, I don't know, just kind of Photoshop me in there, you know? <laughs> right. I'll draw a stick figure in MS Paint, and I'll just tag you. <laughs> awesome. Just make sure he has the, uh, the white Captain America shirt thing on, because that's the only way I can even tell that, you know, I was there at all. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, no, I was actually going through the whole thing myself later. Well, you call my photos, and I've got, like, two of myself. And because I was, like, doing the interviews and taking the photos, I've got, like, 50 of Jeremy, who I, who I only had met, like, you know, two days before, you know? <laughs> Not that that's yeah. bad, man, but, uh, like, I'm just like, okay, well, here's this new friend of mine, and I literally have ten times as many photos of him as I do of myself. Huh. Creepy. Right. Well, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> and on that note, I will bid you good night. Uh, night, Eric. Night. Good night. Good night. Now, Jason. Yep. I have to ask this. Now, you spent a considerable amount of time tr- driving around Reading, Pennsylvania. Is that is that okay. fair to say? Oh, uh, that's very fair to say. Now, how the hell long did it take you to, to stop getting lost? Because every time me and my group left the hotel, it took us, like, an hour to get wherever we were going. It was funny because it seemed like... Did you guys meet John from AAM Marcosia? Um, I don't think so. No? I don't know. He was, like, the two times... Well, the first time (laughs) I got into Philly, I got there, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't have to pick (laughs) up Leroy until, I think, 2 or so, 2.30. I'm like, well, you know, I got plenty of time. But it's not enough time to drive to Reading, and then because I just have to turn around and drive back. So I'm like, well, I'll just go to the bus station, see where it's at, and then I'll just drive around and you know, hang out for a while and see Philly. And I missed one exit, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, because like I said before, in Vegas you have one freeway going north south, you have one freeway going east west. And Vegas is in a valley surrounded by mountains, so you have one freeway going a circle around the whole valley. Very easy to navigate. <laughs> if you miss your exit, you get off on the next exit, you go over the, the freeway or under the freeway, get back on the freeway, go in the other direction. Very simple, very easy, very well thought out. <laughs> Not the case in Philadelphia or where I ended up, New Jersey. You ended up in Jersey? Oh, I ended up in Jersey. That's awesome. You should pick me up. <laughs> right? I should have. I've been driving. And I'm like, oh, I missed an exit. I'll just take the next exit and you know, jump back on the other way. Wait, the next exit's another freeway. 
okay, I'll take the next exit, jump back on that one, hit the other way, then hit the other freeway back the other way. Except that was also another freeway. God. Is there any exit anywhere that are not freeways or anything of that nature? I got so lost, I look up, welcome to New Jersey. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> And I go, she's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm in New Jersey. She's like, I thought you were in Philadelphia. I'm like, that's where I was supposed to be, but I'm in New Jersey now. <laughs> At least so, it was a state that was next to Pennsylvania. Yeah. I ended up pulling over to uh, a bank, and I'm like, can I ask you the stupidest, and I used a curse word, effing question, <laughs> and she just got a grin, and she's like, okay. I'm like, how do I get back to Philadelphia from where I am right now? I was on another highway that was straight into Philadelphia. So that was my huge, took me about two and a half hours to get back to where I was, from when I left to where I was. So that was my huge getting lost. Then um, I had map quested directions, like from hotel, or from airport to hotel, from hotel to airport, from hotel to Third and Spruce, from Third and Spruce to hotel, from hotel to the convention center, from the convention center to the hotel. So I had all this stuff map quested. And Leroy had um, his GPS on his iPhone, so he was rolling with me quite a few quite a few trips. He only missed one trip to Philadelphia, but when I was going back and forth from Third and Spruce, whenever John from AA Marcosi or got inside the van, I'd get lost because <laughs> I'd just be so involved in talking to him, I'd miss an exit or I'd do something stupid, and he would just curse me out. And he is a really funny guy, curses a lot. And if you guys ever want, like our own version of Uncle Sal episode <laughs> with where we can put an explicit tag like to let everybody know this is not an episode you need to listen to if you're easily offended. I could totally make that happen and it would be hilarious. <laughs> nice. It would be so awesome. He is so funny. So, so funny. But called me every name in the book, just cursed me up and down. He even did it in the British way, so it sounds very respectful. <laughs> Very respectful and very intelligent as he was cursing me up and down. But, well, okay, so then I got lost taking him from Third and Spruce on Friday night to the hotel. So then I finally found my directions, got myself back situated, and got myself back to Third and Spruce. And instead of going in, I drove back to the hotel one more time, back to Third and Spruce, back to the hotel, back to Third and Spruce, just to make sure I got it right because I was getting lost myself. And at one point, I was at the other third in Spruce. Instead of in West Reading, I was in Reading. Oh, yeah. Where uh, there's another third in Spruce street intersection, but there's not the third in Spruce uh, bar there. Yeah, yeah. That, because um, uh, the group I came with, like, you know, myself, Jenny, Jeremy, and Rob, we went over in Jenny's car. And, you know, the thing about third in Spruce, which, which in, in case anybody doesn't know, that's like this, like, restaurant, bar, Thing that that uh, the Comic Geek Speak guys rented out the upstairs of for the weekend, so you know we could all gather. We're going, we're following the GPS, and and you think it would be really easy to find this place because Third and Spruce is not only its name but its address. <laughs> so it's like how how can you how can you lose? You know, we get to Third and Spruce. It's a poorly lit vacant lot. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, this, this can't be right. So I call Jason, and he's. He's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm standing right outside of it. I'm looking around. I'm like, no, no, we're not. We thought Reading only had one third in Spruce. It turns out it has two third streets. 
both intersect with a street called Spruce. They're like they're like ten minutes away from each other. I don't know why anyone would do that. One but, is in Reading, the other <laughs> one is in West Reading. That's still stupid. And I get I get home, I look at the forum, and somebody was talking about how last year they found a third one that's in a residential neighborhood. So there's three third and spruces in Reading. And oh god. Oh, how do how do people live there? I mean, I had great conversation with people. Um, you know, Leroy was awesome. He went with me on all trips to Philadelphia but one. Yeah. And uh, that last trip was very entertaining, to say the least. Oh, God. I met Mike Norton. Got to talk to him for a while. That was cool. Did you stand back-to-back to, back to see who was taller? I'm taller. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't have to stand back-to-back. Back. I'm taller. <laughs> it was funny because, like, when I first got out, I was like, you're a giant. I'm like, it's not like you're small, sir. And he's like, I know. And then uh, we were at Third and Spruce, and he's like, you're taller than me, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I got you by a couple inches. And he's like, oh, my God. I have to look up to somebody. It kind of threw him off. It was funny. Oh, man. Real nice guy, though. Mike Norton is so cool. Um, do you guys have any uh, favorite moments from the convention? Oh, God. Yeah, keep it limited. They can't all be favorite moments. Why not? <laughs> Damn it. I don't know. I don't really, like, maybe it's because it's still, like, fresh enough in my mind, but, like, I don't really remember Super Show as, like, moment by moment. It's, like, <laughs> it's like the the entirety of both days is, like, this, like, like flowing water of happening, you know? It's, like, it's it's all the same thing. I also what got up it? very early, so that might have to do with it. <laughs> there, were, there was a couple. I mean, I, I can't pick one moment. There's, there's no way. But I mean, Adam Umack is one cool dude. Very, very cool guy. Love him to death. So Sean Pryor. I met those guys for the first time. The after parties were cool at, at Third and Spruce, and then there was the after after party. Oh God. At uh, the diner on Saturday night, which was. Very entertaining. <laughs> oh, God. Very, very entertaining. And then they'll have to ask you in person about details on that one. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> there was there was much things that were discussed that could not be said on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's still, yeah, there's still like eight stories you have to tell us eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're leaving on Sunday. He's like, oh, that reminds me of this story about this. I'll tell you another time. Oh, and that me telling you another time reminds me of this. Oh, but that'll be for later. Oh, and that means, oh yeah. god. Yeah, and and it really it really comes down to, like, this convention could have been three days. This convention could have been four days, you know, and we would have barely just hit everything. My uh, my favorite moment was like hands down getting to moderate the web comics panel. Oh yeah, did anybody record that? I I think. Like, they definitely had a microphone, so I'm pretty sure it was recorded, but I have no idea, like, where that will pop up, if anywhere. But, oh my god, like, it was it was so much fun to do, and it was hilarious. I mean, you had Julian Lytle telling, like, you know, some plot ideas from oh his webcomic. <laughs> totally insane. I, everybody there was, like, you know, really just informative and hysterical and... I had such a blast doing that. It was so awesome. You know, that that's that's my highlight. Like 
That's that's my number one moment. Like there were a ton of other like really really cool moments, and like like both of you guys, I got some awesome sketches. But that was that was my moment. You know something I loved? I loved the fact that I'll, I'll say like ninety something percent of the days in was Super Show people. <laughs> so if yeah. you you're walking to the elevator or down to the lobby or just like to get ice or something. You're gonna pass, you know, like, oh hey, there's Sean Pryor and there's Amber and yeah. there's Adam Umac and <laughs> And there's me, and I don't even go to that hotel. I know, I got out the elevator and you're <laughs> you and Laura standing there. I'm like, what the hell? What are you doing here in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. That was creepy. Yeah, we had to drop off Eric. In fact, you know, uh talking about the, the driving and everything like that, you know, we it took us six hours to get there, which was completely horrendous. We drove through Manhattan at, like, rush hour, I guess. Good choice, by the way. My phone, you know, my phone GPS, we, we started finally paying attention to that, and it's, you know, ways around congestion and stuff later on. But with with about six minutes left in the in the trip, all of a sudden it occurs to me, like, wait a second, my phone hasn't been updating. And Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, so I like I'm like trying to like, you know, get it to update. It's not updating at all. So I'm while I'm rebooting it, I'm like looking at the signs. I'm like, wait a second, that street right there, we have to turn down when well, you know, when we get to that exit, that's where we have to turn, I think. So where you know, my my wife's like, Oh, okay. So, you know, we make the turn and like, that's just about when I started getting the GPS going again. <laughs> and, like, that was it. That was the eggs that we, that we had to get off. And that was, uh, what was it? That, that was third. That was, yeah, that was third street. Why did she not murder you? I don't understand how you're It's alive. just, you know, it's fortunate that I happened to realize, you know, because, you know, who's, who's watching the, you know, the countdown on the GPS? It's, I just happened to notice it. I mean, luckily. We got off, and, you know, the hotel was, like, right off the exit, basically. We were at the Candlewood Suites, which which is on 3rd Avenue. So, like, you know, had we wanted to, we actually could have walked down to 3rd and Spruce. So that that was pretty cool. And we were only, like, four minutes away from uh, from your hotel. So that was nice. Oh, man. <sighs> Jason, do you think you're going to make it out for uh, next year? I'm going to do my best. And my son really wants to go next year. Bring him! He really, really wants to go next year. <laughs> That's awesome. Put him in your backpack. <laughs> he was he was disappointed he couldn't go this year. Oh, my God. What was that like? Like, did you downplay how much fun you had when you got home just so they wouldn't feel bad? Or were you, like, rubbing it in their faces? Like, <laughs> you did homework and went to bed on time? <laughs> it wasn't like... I, I, there's no way I could downplay it. I mean, I was just smiling too much, and I had too much stuff to show them that I could downplay it. But I wasn't, like, rubbing it in the face. I was just, like, had a really good time, had a blast. Like, can I go next time? I'm like, we'll definitely consider that. You know, because he's a good kid. He's a really good kid. And I just wanted one trip that was, you know, it was an adult trip just for me, you know, to go so I could hang out. Because if he goes with me, then I can't go hang out at, like, Third and Spruce and do all that kind of stuff. Mm. Something that you you had said, um, and and this this resonated with me, so I I, I do want to make a point of saying this. 
I, I sent you a text message the day after, you know, we got back, and I said, Jason, I'm like, out of all, out of all your your best weekends, like, you know, how how does this rank, you know, in, in terms of all of them? And and do you remember what you wrote back, Jason? Yeah, um, as long as you take out the weekends that don't involve my kids and my wife, that would be number one. Right. Wow. And you know, and when I when I said to Lauren, you know, I, I, I was thanking her for for coming. You know, I, I said, you know what, like Jason Jason sent me this message. Out of all the weekends, you know, out of all of his his favorite weekends, like this is the best, but only among the ones without his wife and his kids. And you know, it's like as amazing as the weekend was, it's like you have to have like those special people there, you know, to make it the absolute best. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did, I wanted to make a point of, of bringing that up because, you know, it was amazing. And, you know, and for me, like, you know, to, to get to bring my, my newlywed wife <laughs> and, and she actually had a pretty good time. Thanks to, uh, to your friend, Jenny, Dan. Yeah. They're totally best friends now. <laughs> Yeah, that that was that was very you know that was a powerful uh, a powerful message there. I just wanted to mention that. That's why I'm gl- that's why I like. I mean, honestly, like half the people I brought with me to the show had never like they had no connection to the forums, and they really the only casually casually read comics. But it's like it. The, the the community that was assembled there is family on some level, and it's like if you can bring elements of like your real quote unquote air bunnies family with you, then like it's it just fe- that's it just feels more right, you know? Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. So, um, what do you guys say we uh, we close this episode up? You don't want one story. You can pick any story you want. Oh my god. No. No. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. We're gonna tease it. Okay. We're gonna tease it for another time. We're going to There's the Wonder Woman story. <laughs> it's quite the tease. Jason knows stories. Woo. Yeah, Jason Jason's got some amazing stories. And uh and and you know what, like the one thing that I was thinking after this this past weekend, it's like after after we've hung out with Jason and, you know, just like, you know, we've all gotten to, to sit and, you know, chat. It's like Jason has to be on the the, the show more often. And I, and I know that, God, yes. you know, it's like he, he works like an ass load. So it's not going to be easy. But, but Jason, definitely you, you have to be on more often. I, I will do my best. And actually, um, I got it, – it, this has just been a great – I'm sorry, I'm going to curse right now, but it's been a great fucking week <laughs> because I got to go to the Super Show. I got to hang out with you guys, meet you guys for the first time in person. I got to just meet really cool people. Then I came home, and on Monday, um, my best friend, he's getting married, so I'm going to be, my best friend's getting married, so I'm going to be the best man in that. So then we went out on Monday, had my, uh, my whole family went out and had lunch with his family <laughs> and his soon-to-be wife's family. And then they went and picked out dresses, and we went and picked out suits. 
So that was cool that I got to hang out with my family. You know, we went to the mall, which is not my favorite place, but I was with my family, so it was cool. <laughs> then today I went back to work at my other job, my, the business that I own. And then the other job called me, and I've been trying to get a different shift at work with different positions, but I'll be working from 3 in the morning to 1 in the afternoon, which is absolutely perfect for me. And I'm going to get that position now. So... I will be able to go to work, come home, take a little nap, and spend the entire afternoon with my kids every single day. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and for me, that's huge because there's nothing on this planet more important than my kids. And I was working 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. five days a week. So I would get home five days a week, and my kids were going to bed because they had to go to school. And I was not cool with that. <laughs> but I was doing it because you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And then the other two days I work my business, which is usually 7 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. So I would have my kid, you know, I'd be able to spend time with my kids. And then on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I would get up at 6 in the morning and do my, biz, my, my work on my business until 10, get home, shower, and go to work from 11 to 9. So I was working about 75, 80 hours a week on average. And the amount of hours really isn't going to change that much, maybe a little bit less, but I'll get to see my kids every single day and spend time with my kids every single day. And that's just like the cap to the week. I mean, it's just like <laughs> I, I got home and I told my son, like, hey, I'm going to have a different shift, and now we're going to be able to hang out more. And I told my daughters the same thing, and just they were so excited about it <laughs> because they're used to me being around and hanging out all the time. And, you know, that was like the cap to the, like almost the perfect week. <laughs> and it was just awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Well, definitely congratulations. Man. That's. Thank you. And wow. also, so that means, you know, I'll be around more for recordings as well. Yay. Yes. <laughs> Your kids will be like, but dad, you said you would spend time with us. <laughs> no, I must lantern cast. <laughs> uh, and then, you know what, though? My son listens to lantern cast, so he'll be able to hang out. There you go. Nice. Hey, bring him yeah. on. Bring him on. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, he's gonna come on. Um, did you have something that you wanted to add, Dan? Ah, uh, not really. I mean, I don't know. It, it was it was a completely different topic, but oh well. I mean, we're we're gonna close the episode, so might as well throw it in. Switching gears. Okay, here's here's a segue for you. And speaking of different topics, <laughs> that is how we do things, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um. Cause I mean, uh, all right. Obviously, by now, I I don't even remember how much this has come up on the show. But like, I went like I went to art school. I've always kind of envisioned like like that first con table kind of kind of whole deal. And like, it finally happened, and it felt good. And like like Sunday morning before you got there. I, um. Oh God, I can't think of his name. I'm blanking on his name. I can see his face perfectly. But um, he had this theme sketchbook of um a Muppet character versus any superhero or supervillain. So I got to sit there for, <laughs> like, 20 minutes or whatever, inking a picture of uh, Super Grover fighting Crypto. The winner should be implied. <laughs> and and that was just that was just great. Like, it, it just felt good, you know? It had, it, I had, like, like, a brief moment of, like, I have arrived kind of thing, you know? And that was cool. But, like, apart from that, and I, I know... You'll agree with me, Jim, on this, at least in some part. 
I was thinking to myself, like, like, how did I feel about actually having a table at the show? Because it, se- it seemed like, like, part of me, and uh, uh, for, I love the fact that we had tables. It was great to have a place to sit down and have a central location to meet with people and everything. I'd love that. And to re- it made recording at the show a lot easier. Yes. But at the same time, part of me just hated being tied to that spot. Like, I wanted to be, like... I wanted to hit the floor running every instant. I'm like, okay, where's somebody? Where's somebody I can make stand here for me? Where's Jim? Don't see him. Don't see him. Jason's driving. Where's? Where's? Hey, I think I had Jenny manning the booth for like three times throughout the weekend. Yeah, yeah, like without a doubt. Like, I the way that I see it is, you know, for future reference, what we basically have to do is we have to like we have to add more focus because this like there were so many things that we wanted to do. You know, it, it hit me as we were, you know, driving home. I'm like, wait a second. You know, like, okay, we were trying to do so many things. You know, um, we were trying to record. We were trying to get interviews and trying to record. We were trying to talk to all our fans. You know, we had raffles going on. We had we were giving away free cookies, free comic books, free rings, um, and then on top of all that, like I was, I was moderating a panel, and we also wanted to, you know, look at the convention and, you know, see the the CGS give out their awards and everything like that. I, there were so many things that we wanted to do. Like for future reference, like I definitely, definitely want to have another table, but by the same token, like I want to have something that's a lot more self-sustaining. So that way we can get up and go and do whatever we want when we want to. I mean, part of me almost felt like like maybe next time around we should we should almost like forego the table and like bring along like some sort of like portable recording devices so we can just like we can have more free movement around around the con and like not be restricted to a space. But then at the same time we'd be kind of giving up. It, it's a give and take, you know. We would have to like weigh what we wouldn't be able to do. We'll we'll see, but I I'm definitely leaning towards have a table again next year. I have the banner, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Jason will carry the banner around. He'll hold his he'll stretch his arms out and it will fill it, and he'll just carry it around. Oh, uh, what you call it? It'll be your cape, sir. <laughs> yeah, and Jason's got a banner story, but 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 he can't tell that one right now because there's no time. Haha. <laughs> I do have a banner story. Oh god. I have one regret though. One regret from the okay. weekend. When they were going through the freaking Swear Awards, I i mean, people kept telling me, like, dude, you're going to get one. I'm like, whatever. You know, I really didn't think I was going to get one. And when I went up there, I had no idea what to say. And I just, I mean, I, I listened to the Comic Geek Speak episode. You could barely even hear me. I think it's because <laughs> I'm slightly taller than most people, so I'm a little bit further away from the microphone yeah. than anybody oh, else. God. And, I mean... I just, I just, I love the community. That's about all you could hear from me <laughs> during the whole thing. And that's the one where I wish I had, you know, said, hey, you know, thanks to the Lantern cast, thanks to, you know, Sean Pryor, thanks to, to Leroy for going with me, you know, and just more stuff. But I, I was totally caught off guard. I, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah. Nah, I mean, you, know, you know what? It was your yeah, moment. Exactly. After all you did for other people, you can take a few minutes to just be about you. <laughs> it was very cool. Yeah. Okay, and on that note, <laughs> okay, um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hang on after after we get done recording, and uh, 
discuss a couple of extra things as far as the future of the Lantern cast because we we've we've hit 50 episodes. Guys, 50 episodes. Just well, 51 cuz we already aired that. <laughs> well, you know what? Symbolically though, we've hit 50 episodes and huh. wasn't there a zero and a half though? It's 53 and a half. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay. This sure is a great anniversary. <laughs> We've hit over 50 episodes. We Okay, we've hit, well, we've hit the magic number of 50, and we have more episodes than that. But, like, <laughs> it's, like, we, we've, I, I think we've come quite a long way, and, you know, besides, besides the fact that we just have so many episodes, you know, now for people to listen to, like, we, we have a community. We have, we have a Green Lantern, you know, fan community. And, you know, that, that's amazing. So we, we want to, uh, we're going to discuss some ideas that we have here and there. And, you know, and you guys are going to see that play out in the coming months. So on that note now, you can contact us at lanterncast at gmail.com. We all have our own email addresses. I'm jim at lanterncast.com. Dan is dan at lanterncast.com. And Jason is jason at lanterncast.com. You can find our website at lanterncast.com. There we have links to our Facebook page. We have links to our forums and our galleries and um, bio pages about us. And... We're also available on iTunes, and if you go to iTunes, leave us some review. That, that'd help us out big time. But we also have a voicemail number, which is, let's see, 206-600-7357. So leave us a voicemail. I know, I know we have a few voicemails to get to, but... Uh, yeah, we have some stuff to catch up yeah, on. Yeah, quite a bit now, but we'll get to that eventually. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us for 50 episodes, and there will be many, many more. Yeah. Do we have other – did you say – did you give our email address? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, we don't have to tell them about Super Show. It feels like we're forgetting stuff. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, like, Come see us at Super Show. It's only – you only have 300 – 62 more days. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't say that. That just makes it that makes it seem so far away. I'm not going to know what to do with Facebook anymore. <laughs> I've been too, I'm literally just been doing a daily countdown for the last 60 days, and now it's over. Uh, uh, well, everybody, good night. Night. Good night. Thank you very much, everybody.